Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. It has been already a great week, and there's still games to be played that's going to be starting tomorrow. Oh, it's I'm sorry, everybody. I am, of course, I'll just jump right in. I'm, of course, your exhausted host, Mark Williams, who has spent a lot of times just mm. at a bar for, for St. Patrick's Day, except not in the best place that you'd ever want to be. But fortunately... We saw the return of the final buzzer with Mr. John Fulkowski. Yeah, that was a uh, interesting game on uh, Thursday. Uh, another real good two games over the weekend, and then a uh, an up and down one last night. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes, we will. And also a man that knows somebody that's really good at using his stick, Mr. Anthony Larocco. Yeah. Um, before I get into anything, Mark, are we? Are we live? Because in my computer, it still says scheduled in the top left-hand corner. No, ah, I, got, I got us live right now. Let's. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're we're yeah. live. I'm staring at you on YouTube at the moment. That's weird. It says up in the top left corner of my thing. It says scheduled, like it's no, not. My mine says uh, end broadcast. So we're we're good. Oh. In that All right. Well, that's good. Um, well, with that said, uh, yeah, I, I do know someone who's great with a stick, and his his name is the Thriller. And as you see in my tagline, I hate Noel Chari. Yes, we're going to be getting to both of those things about the stick as well as Noel Chari because let's get over to the A block where we're going to be looking at, let's say, a couple really hot teams right now in New York. And I'm sorry, I clicked on the wrong one for a second. Also, for the New York Rangers, you can check out uh, the final buzzer with John Falkowski whenever he can after a game. I always will try to get my 60-second game reviews. And, of course, in where, whenever you're with the A block, it's powered by SeatGeek. I use SeatGeek to go to the Devils game last week. Had a great time. Video of that should be coming up in the next couple days. But we'll look at the New York Rangers, who right now sit in third place, and it looks like they're going to be cemented in third place, guys. 92 points, 41, 20, and 10 their goal differential, woo, that shot up a lot in the last week. They demolished the Pittsburgh Penguins twice. And, uh, and, and by the way, Nashville, a, by a combined score of 17-2, to two, but they lost 3-2 to two to the Carolina Hurricanes last night. More on that in one second with you, Mr. John Falkowski, as Mika Zibanejad was also named NHL's first star of the week with five goals, nine assists. We talked about the caution of, of last week and how important those games were. And then for the Rangers to resoundingly come out and win those games, Philk, what's your thoughts on the Rangers offensive outburst? Um, it, it looked great to see them finally just come together and start scoring goals in bunches, uh, albeit they did it against a Washington team that's been kind of reeling a Pittsburgh team that has Fallen into a tailspin. I mean, they lost to Montreal. Then the Rangers beat them. Then uh, the, the Rangers obviously beat them twice. And Ottawa goalied them the other night, which was amazing. Dylan Ferguson in his first career start, 50-plus saves against the Penguins. And now, you know, Pittsburgh looks like they're spiraling a little bit. And then you, you, you go ahead and you face Carolina. And I'm not worried. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm more so disappointed in the play of Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba. More so Keandre Miller this time around. And just his inconsistent play. And um, I didn't like the way that the Rangers didn't move their feet against Carolina. They, they looked like they didn't have their legs. But um, 
if you listen to any bit of the radio broadcast, uh, they were talking about how the Rangers played three games in four nights. And that could that could be part of it. The Rangers definitely needed some rest. Um, and Carolina was definitely the team that was quicker on their feet, especially after the first period. So um, I, I liked what I saw. Otherwise, I, they played a tight game after, you know, three games in a row where they were just kind of, you know, blowing teams out. And even if you go back to the Washington game, they, they put up a bunch of goals in that game too. So it's a nice change of pace from going from a little more of a wide open loose game to more playoff style hockey. So for, for me, uh, I like the way that they played defensively for the most part, but then things just started getting out of control in like the second half of the second period. The Jalen Chatfield goal was not a good goal. Um, if you listen to Steve Valiquet on um, the Jeff Merrick show uh, and L.A. Freeman, their show, um, Valiquet broke it down and basically said that it's a very, very, very low percentage shot from that area. And considering that Chatfield's right-handed coming from the right-handed side, the only time that you're going to get beat like that is if you're off fundamentally, which Igor was. His angle was off. And that caused that goal. So I'm not blaming the game on Igor. It's just a bad goal that he gave up. But um, when you're giving up very low percentage goals like that and the other goaltender's not, you're going to lose more games than you're going to win. But I think the Rangers needed this because they needed a wake-up call to get a play against a better team that wasn't going to give them those wide-open chances that was going to clog up the neutral zone. We know Moore does that. And he's very aggressive with the defense, pinching in their defense. The Rangers have got to get better with moving the puck out of their own zone. Their first passes have to be better. They have to be accurate. They have to be concise and crisp. And they just weren't in that game. And Carolina, give credit to them because they were interrupting their flow. But the the over-reliance on the stretch pass has to stop, especially against a team like Carolina, because the way to beat teams like Carolina, then, you know, the Devils in the 90s and the neutral zone when they wanted the trap, the way to beat those teams is to break out as a five-man unit and have short, crisp passes and move with speed. And that's how you do it. So um, if anything, good wake up call. Let's see them rebound tomorrow night against Carolina in Raleigh and uh, hope for the best. Anthony, what do you think about the juxtaposition from those two blowout games that they've had? And then to get that, it looked like it might've been an easy game against Carolina, but as Phil said, you know, they go, they go out there, they lose in regulation. What do you think? Well, there's no first of there's no such thing as an easy game against Carolina. And if you have that mindset going in, you're gonna lose. Um Carolina is a really good team. They 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 really play that overspeed system where they suffocate you, they forecheck the hell out of a puck carrier. Um and for a little while there, it looks like the Rangers were, you know, were kind of playing their game, very low scoring, but then they made some mistakes. Um, you know, Philip mentioned Igor probably would have liked that one back from Chatfield. And then I didn't think particularly Truba and, and Miller were very good. Um, you know, later on, but um, listen, the, the Carolina is going to win. Well, I shouldn't say they're going to win the division. It's going to be real close between them and the devils, but they're a really good hockey team. Um, you know, if you want, you call them the second or third best team in the East. So like I said, there's no shame in losing them. Um, you know, and again, the Rangers have been playing well lately. Their offense, as you, as you both know, have been, uh, has been real prolific over those two games against Pittsburgh and Nashville scoring combined 13 goals. Um, you know, Nashville, obviously they're, they're pretty much done. You know, they're, they're not really a bad team, but even though Pittsburgh's struggling to, to beat them six, nothing, um, is pretty good accomplishment being that they're really fighting for their playoff lives. So the Rangers really took it to them in that game. 
Um, but I, I just I like to see them how they tighten things up a little bit in those two games. I know they had the puck most of the time, which is also a good defense, but I thought they were a lot better than they had been in the previous 12. Um, Igor, I, you know, back-to-back shutouts for Igor and Halak. That says a lot about your, you know, your defense as well. Um, but it looks like Igor is getting a little better here. He's starting to improve. Probably still not where he wants to be, but I do see a little bit of an improvement. Um, you know, really, really the only negative I could say is, you know, when you score 13 goals in back-to-back games, you know, if I was a Ranger fan, I would have liked to see Kako and Lafreniere provide, you know, a good amount of that offense. Um, out of those 13 goals, only Kako had one point. So um, just shows your, you know, your main heavy lifters, Panarin, Canes, Benajad, they were the ones doing all the scoring, Kreider, those two games. I would have liked to see them start to get a little more consistency and, and start scoring because come playoff time, um, offense is going to dry up a little bit. You know, you're going to have a lot of focus on the Canes and the Zibanejads of the world. Um, so that means like Hedl, Lafreniere, and Kako are going to be really crucial to, you know, to for the Rangers winning and going far. But um, that's really the only negative I've seen aside from, like I said, Miller and Truba really need to a little bit step up their game here. Well, I got to say, absolutely right, Phil. Uh, Igor was off his angle on the second goal. That's one of those where you go, first. yeah, the, yeah, uh, the Chatfield goal. That was Chatfield yeah, you're right. That was the first, first one. I'm yeah. sorry, but you, you go, yeah, he went barred down, but it was stick side bar down, uh, the far side shot. That means he was just a little bit too far to his left. <clears throat> I would have preferred it if he left a little bit of room for the catching glove, and then uh, it's easy blocker save if that's the case. The other thing uh, that's not being talked about there, though, it, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the other thing ahead. that. Uh, be talked about there is Keandre Miller. What is he doing stepping up at the blue line in the middle of the ice on a three on two situation? Like what, why, why was he doing that? And that's why that goal happened because then the forward has to get the third man in. And that's why Chatfield was able to go all the way down the right wing side. And sure it's a low percentage chance, but Miller can't be leaving to step up on a three on two at the line when you don't have that third man back to help out that, that just has to be said. What's great about that breakdown, Phil, is when you, you talk about that, the casual fan will just say, and, and even I, I was saying it right there. Oh, Igor was off his angle. He needs to make that save. That's how the domino effect can happen. A defenseman pinches, then the forward has to fill in. And the next thing you know, you, you get a soft goal in there and then on the bench, you're looking over going that, that went in and it brings a team down. The Rangers then to their credit came right back. Kako scored a beauty right after that, but then Carolina came right back and tied the game uh, again. Uh, of course, again, Brent, Brent Burns. Goal. What happened? What? De- defenseman chasing the puck behind the net and left the position. And that that's the problem. You can't be chasing the puck. These guys have got to be better as a zone, and sometimes their defensemen more. And I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Miller specifically because he does this way too much. He treats defense as man on man, and instead of realizing that he has to play his zone and play his position, he gets overzealous yeah. and runs out of position, and and that puts Trub in a bad position. Yeah, and it's just you can't because and again, you a lot of people focus on Trub, but how do you ever get that? But yeah, uh, who was it again? It was uh, Nolson. That was the guy that was all alone in front. Nason. Stephen Nason. Yeah, Nason. I can remember. 
how to pronounce his name. I barely remember how to pronounce my name. I just spent 50 hours bartending for the last uh, four days. So it's, uh, it was, a, it was, it's been a fun time, but um, now you got the Rangers, they get Carolina, they get uh, Florida, another chance to help out the Islanders and really solidify that. Uh, what are you looking forward to Thursday night uh, for the Rangers versus uh, Carolina, Anthony? Um, I, I would just, try to say don't let them get to their game um you know control the puck um because you know when you're controlling the puck i mean they're still gonna forecheck the hell out of you and try to pressure you and not give your players any time and force bad passes but um you know have the possession game don't don't let them play their overdrive system with their speed um and also i know you know they did this the other night and lost, but typically if you get a lead against Carolina, it's going to be much easier to play against. Uh, when they get a lead, they lock it down even more. So, um, you know, be physical when you can uh, pinch, but only when, you know, you're, you're, you're it's not a 50, 50 chance the puck pinch when you know, you're going to be able to get it and get it in deep. Cause you don't want to, you know, hand spoon the hurricanes, any odd men rushes or anything like that. But um, I would just, like I said, I would just try to control the puck as much as possible and don't let them get to their game. All right. And, uh, oh, I, I, damn it, I had a thought and then I lost it. Anyway, so there's going to be a huge amount of games that are coming up and huge importance because I've, I've said this before. I think the Rangers right now, they're cemented into number three. They've been in there for a while. They're starting to figure out where things are, are going in. They're not there yet, and there's still plenty of time. And I know people are getting on me. Oh, well, they could still win the division. Yeah, but Carolina wins out. You don't have to worry about that. Carolina's got fewer games played than anything else. All right, but, yeah, what were your thoughts on the Rangers week? Throw it down in the comments below. We're going to talk more about that in a minute because we also got a lot to talk about that guy's team right there on the bottom. First, a message from DraftKings. Hockey fans like the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. I forgot that I had that Alexander Romanoff hit in the side of that promo and the one on Miles Wood. Where he basically, and Miles Woods' kids are gonna feel that hit. That's a pretty. That's a pretty yeah, hard hit. That's a hard hit. Yeah, I mean that. I, I made this short a while back of uh, from using the God of War uh, quote about how he actually knocked the serpent back in time um, with a mighty blow from Thor. But to the New York Islanders, guys, the New York Islanders right now fourth place in the Metropolitan Division, eighty-two points, thirty-seven, twenty-seven, and eight. Their goal differential went up a lot in the last week, Anthony after some pretty big wins over the Ducks, the Sharks, and the win last night against the Maple Leafs. We all know it. We all Actually, not everybody got to see it, Anthony. That's part of the problem with uh, ESPN+. Plus. Thank you very much. But here we go. This 
was the save of uh, Ilya Sorokin on Gustafson. And the, they get the puck in. They're working around pretty well. Oh, oh, I, get, I guess I left this back a little bit. Like, how, that's ridiculous, Anthony. That's absolutely just ridiculous of him making that save. What are your thoughts on the Ilya Sorokin stick save? Um, well, first, it was one of those things where as that developed, like right there, I'm like, up oh, 2 nothing. Uh, and then he made the save and, and Mike Monaco, who did play by play, just, you know, lost his shit. And I was like, I was like, did that really just happen again? Um, and sure enough, they, they show the replay. And uh, yeah, uh, almost on the year anniversary when he did it to Panarin, um, he did it to Chris Letang uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that was it was just a ridiculous save. And you know, it was a game changer. At that point, the Maple Leafs were controlling the play. It was one nothing. Obviously, you know, a two nothing game. Who knows? Who knows what happens after that? Uh, and after that save, uh, you know, Sorokin really woke the Islanders up. You saw their play the rest of that period. And in the second period, they started hot, four and four. They tied the game, and then from there, um, they just went running. So, a fantastic save. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what else I could say about him at this point anymore. Uh, but he changed the course of the game, and then the Islanders capitalized, and they went on to absolutely run the Maple Leafs out of the building. So um, it was definitely a good game. And, you know, prior to that, let's not forget about the Western the Western trip they went on. Um, you know, the Ducks and the Sharks are bad teams, but, you know, sometimes those games can be trap games, and they did the they got the job done. They beat them. They lost to a good Kings team, which, you know, no shame in that. But, uh, you know, they're, they're in a good spot right now. Um, they really do. They control their own destiny. Um, you know they could they can go five and five the rest of the way, which is five hundred, which is far far less than the rate they've been playing at over the last twenty games. And Pittsburgh would have to go like seven four and one um, just to end up with more points than them. So they really are in the driver's seat here. Um, just got to keep it going. You know, bad Columbus team and a bad Sabres team coming up. So hopefully they can get the uh, the four points there. But I like where they're sitting right now. Um, the only the only thing that really kind of upset me right now is this, you know, the status of Brock Nelson, which we don't know anything about and probably won't know until tomorrow when they practice. But um, that was really the only unfortunate part of otherwise, a, you know, a great night. Phil, we're going to get into that Brock Nelson hit in a moment, but what are your thoughts on the Islanders last week? They did what they had to do. And the seven to two win was unexpected, but it, you know, if you're an Islanders fan, you're loving that. Uh, my, obviously, minus the Nelson hit. Uh, but, yeah, they they took over a- after being down against Anaheim. And they realized, hey, we better get, you know, we better get our act together. And they took that game back over. And Trevor Zegras obviously dazzled a little bit with, with that, with that incredible pass he made. I mean, but, you know, the Islanders took the game over. They ended up winning that game. And, and then San Jose... San Jose got in front early, and you're like, uh-oh, here we go. But they they took that game right back over, and they did what they had to do. They finished that game strong. And then you, you, you come on to Toronto, and Toronto with their big four, and they're, they look like they're taking that game over. They look like they're about to blow the doors off the Islanders, and Sorokin makes that save. And that turned that entire game around. And a lot of what the Islanders have been doing lately has kind of been mirroring what the Rangers have been doing. Starting games flat and then, you know, getting better as the game comes along, coming back and winning it. 
while it's a good thing, you, you know, as we've discussed before, and even Anthony himself has said, you don't want to get into the habit. So the Islanders, they're getting the results that they want. Uh, you, you, you know, you want their starts to be a little better, but the, the end result is really what matters. So the, the end results are good. You know, LA played really great against the Islanders. And I mean, they kind of just stifled them, but you know, you're going to come across a team like that. Rangers came across Carolina happens. Sometimes you need those games to wake you up and the Islanders, you know, hopefully Nelson's all right for them, but uh, I mean, they look like they're playing really good hockey right now. And this is the time to be doing it. Quickly, by the way, what are your what were your thoughts on that stick save again? That stick save is unreal, and it's not the first time he's done it. He's done it like three other times before. It's not a luck thing with him. I mean, maybe maybe the puck is get you know going to the sticks. Maybe the players might have to start shooting it on the ground when they see that. But I mean, you're just firing that puck right away, and it's a it's a snap decision in the moment type thing. So I mean, he's doing something right. Anthony texted me today to yell at me about why why are you guys messaging about that stick save today? Is it because of your Ranger bias? And I'm just like, dude, I worked a lot. But also, I that didn't, game I, I didn't even see it until like well after the fact because I, I didn't really get to watch I was just busting that. balls. Uh, I, know, I know, I know. You were busting balls, but still. I had to I mean, go back. But by the way, that game's relegated to ESPN Plus on Hulu. Yeah. And not as many people were able to see it, maybe on a national audience, but not really. Um, so, I, of course, Islander fans had to scramble to go see it. Maybe they caught the clip of it on Twitter. But I do have to say, Anthony, this is the evolution in goaltending. And, yeah, we looked at the one last year on Panarin, and there's an entertaining bit Anthony pitched to me. We're going to get it on Instagram probably tomorrow and in one of our shorts. But the one on Panarin last year on St. Patrick's Day, when he's on his back and Panarin shoots it and he adjusts to bat it out of the air, that's one story. The one on Latang, and even this one, if you remember, Hashik started this where it was just throw something out there and maybe it doesn't go in. Then you had Marty Brodeur getting the, the paddle down. When guys are on their backhand, they can't lift it. Then you think of Alex Tuck against uh, Braden Holpe in game two of the Stanley Cup Finals in uh, 2018 when Holpe just drops the paddle down, Tuck doesn't get it up, and then that's it. Guys are getting it up. And now Sorokin's now evolved to go, I'm going to throw this right in the middle of the net. It's probably going to, it's probably going to hit the stick. And then that's going to be it. It's even more amazing that it, even when it hits the stick, he keeps it out. That's what's also just amazing. Yeah, like it's not getting like a piece of the stick and still going in, which, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of big saves, we haven't even talked about this one. But you want to talk about Igor Shesterkin's scorpion save? Oh, that was a great save. Just the circumstances of that were nowhere near this one. No, that, nowhere near that, but still, just a great, great save. And we just, we're going to have a lot of great saves to talk about between the two Russian goaltenders in New York for a long time. And, um, but I mean, that's an amazing save. I actually think that these guys are evolving goaltending, but both of them, not just, I mean, Sorokin, especially. Everybody always said Sorokin was the better athlete out of the two of them in net. And I think you're really starting to see that. But, guys, we've got to talk about, and let me just also flash the wild card settings one more time. Again, now the Islanders are in a position where even if they win out, they're they're in. So they control their own destiny. But let's go back to this, guys. Brock Nelson taking this hit from Noel Achari. 
And uh, let's see if I can expand that for us right there. Anthony, what are your thoughts on this hit? Um, you know, I, I acknowledge I acknowledge that he did, you know, he did turn. But even after he turned, Achari, Achari didn't veer off. I mean, I, he tagged him anyway. Point. He tagged him anyway, and he drove his head into the glass. I mean, you see it. You see it right there. Um, look, and I, I'm I'm not saying that it should have been a five in a game because again, I, I recognize he turned, but two minutes definitely, and it wasn't even a penalty. Um, I just don't understand how that wasn't even warranted for two minutes. Uh, you know, it was from behind. It was high, and his head got driven into the glass. And you know, Nelson goes down, and right away he grabs his head. So, um, you know, it's it's a little you know frightening. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he's okay. Uh, you know, he had a cut on his face too, and I saw the pan to the bench, and Scott Mayfield was yelling, "He's effing bleeding." Um, you know, to the ref, they just all couldn't believe that there was no call on that. So, um, look, it, it is what it is. Uh, it happened. It's over with. But now, you know, Barzell's already out. And now you have Brock Nelson, who's arguably more important just because he plays more of a 200 foot game. Um, you know, he's their leading scorer. Uh, and, you know, now both of them are out. So hopefully, um, you know, it's not too long. I guess we'll, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see tomorrow. Uh, I know every concussion is different in every person. Not all concussions are the same. So um, if Islander fans, if you're looking for a silver lining, you know, while he did grab his head right away, you know, he got up on his own. He didn't appear to be wobbly or wobbly or woozy. He skated off. Um, so hopefully, you know, uh, maybe it's just, you know, kind of headache and they left him in concussion protocol, precautionary. And, you know, hopefully he'll, you know, he'll bounce back soon. So. Um, you know, we'll see, but I was disappointed that there was no call and a, you know, I just don't understand how they, how they missed it. And, um, Matt Martin did at the end of the game when it was out of reach, uh, he did fight Achari, but, um, Chari turtled and, you know, Matt Martin could have really pounded him and he held up. So, I mean, I guess kudos on Matt Martin for, for being a pro and, and not throwing haymakers, but I think a lot of Islander fans wish that Martin just beat him into a pulp when he turtled. But, um, yeah, so, uh. I mean that's kind of that. Um, see what your guys take on it, but I, I did not. I did not like the hit at all, even though you know Nelson kind of turned a little bit. Actually, I, 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 another pop culture quote for you. Uh, in that moment, it's uh, Noel Charlie probably just looked at Matt Martin, uh, sort of like Stannis from Game of Thrones, to just say, "Do your duty," and so Martin could pummel him, and then that's it. Phil, your thoughts on the hit? It's such a bang, bang play. I mean, you talk about the aspect of it being high, but Nelson really lowers himself there. Um, if Achari had left his feet or or had he kind of like jumped into him or, you know, had Nelson had been, you know, his posturing was higher up, then, yeah, I, I would definitely, definitely take umbrage on that. Um, Nelson and a lot of players do this and Nelson really put himself in a bad position by turning quickly like that late. Um, I, I think he would have been better off taking the actual hit just from the side Achari, Cause you can see Achari has him lined up for a shoulder on shoulder hit. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's not charging either, which you could tell he's not, he's not drifting. He's not charging. Um, 
The other thing I would say in regard to it is that at the point when Nelson turns, I don't think there's enough time for a char to lay off. Like you look at that hit in slow motion and you might think that, yeah. But take a look at that hit in real time and then put yourself in his shoes and you you try to see if you could lay off of somebody that close that quickly. And I don't think anyone can. I, I don't think McDavid could do it. I don't think Barzal could do it. I don't think the best skaters in the league could do it. So while I get that you would want to call on that, I could see why they didn't call it because it's it's really a bang-bang play. It's very close. I don't think it's a predatory hit. Um, he definitely wasn't going towards him long enough with the you know the numbers out to say, hey, you know what, it's a predatory hit. Because now he turned a lot earlier and a chart went in. I would say, okay, yeah, I mean, I get it that that's a predatory hit. He had him, uh, you know, he had him lined up a, uh, for a while on the numbers. The numbers were there. He saw him. He had more than enough time at that point to say, hey, I got to lay off on this and or just ride him into the boards gently and pin him instead of throwing the full-on hit. So for, for me, that that's a bang-bang play. It, it's a very unfortunate ending to that. Um, I, I just – I don't see – malicious intent or anything predatory. Noel Chari does not have a history of that at all. Uh, I, I don't think he's ever been suspended. And I, I, I can't I, I can't think of a time where anyone's ever really accused him of being a dirty player or throwing a dirty hit. So I'll, uh, which, which which wasn't really the exact the accusation, but it was more of just whether or not it was a penalty too. Yeah, I, I you know, I get why somebody would want a penalty on it. I get, I, I get it. I understand it, but I just think it's, it's too close to say that he had enough time. Like, I don't know how you can definitively say that he had enough time to lay off that hit and, you know, say that he could have being that close in when Nelson turned. I just think it's too bang, bang. Now, one thing about it also is when he does turn, it, it does change the angle of of how he is. I mean, I understand what Anthony's saying, though, because when Achari goes in, he still puts his head right into the boards. Yeah. And I think that does go under where you're saying that's more unfortunate, though. But I think it could also be calm because the Islanders don't play till Friday and uh, they get Columbus – and uh, oh shoot, I just looked Buffalo. it up. Oh, Buffalo. Uh, and right now, Buffalo is reeling, but you, you, they're right now in a situation where they're in a dog fight for the playoffs. As much as I'm confident now, they're wild card one. You could afford to rest them, but I you, you hope it's not a long term thing. I mean, no, you don't, obviously, um, you know, the, the hope is that Barzell's gonna return before the end of the regular season, so that's good. But you know, for the meantime, here, you know, you're you are possibly looking at you know, maybe not having either of them for a little bit, which is, you know, unfortunate. But um, again, you know, like I said, uh, concussions are, are a tricky thing. If, if that's indeed what he has, I would say by his reaction, it's, you know, it's certainly possible. Um, or who knows, maybe, you know, he did have a cut on the side of his face. Maybe it's a jaw issue. Maybe it's an orbital bone, which um, honestly, I'd probably rather have it be an orbital bone or a jaw rather than a concussion because, you know, you could just put the fishbowl back on and, um and play but uh you know i guess we'll see you know you, you could speculate uh, all you want but it, it is unfortunate that nelson had to you know 
obviously leave and not return. Um, he's one of their best players. And um, I do agree with a lot of what Philk says, too. Um, I'm not one of those fans that are that saying Achari should have got a five and should have got suspension. I do think he could have still got maybe a two-minute penalty because despite turning, I, I do feel Achari did, like Mark, you just say, I think he did really – he hit him pretty good into the boards there. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Didn't happen. At least he answered the bell and he fought Martin. So um, it's over and done with. But hopefully for the Islanders' sake, Nelson's not out long term. And speaking about answering the bell, the Islanders, 7-2 winners over the Maple Leafs. Your thoughts on that, too? Just like 7-2? Yeah, they, 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 what'd you say? 7-2. Yeah. It's, it's just... You know, like I said before, Sorokin changed the course of the game. And, you know, Islanders, you know, once they tied the game, I think they smelt blood um, and they kept going at it. And, you know, let's not forget, too, that when it was 1-1 before the Islanders made it 2-1, they they let out, they allowed a shorthanded breakaway that Sorokin made a save on, too. So that was another key point. He made the stop. Bashing scored. Um, and like I said, they after that, the game wasn't really close. I know. Toronto did briefly make it 3-2, but Clutterbuck, like, answered right away with, like, a a snipe. I don't don't know if he decided he wanted to challenge his inner Patrick Laine, but that was a rocket that he went down there and snapped over Samsonov. Um, So, yeah, but, no, they they really controlled the play. They forced Toronto into making errors. It It was just a good game overall. Their system, they played to their system. And what did the Islanders do? They wait for you to make mistakes and they capitalize on them, and, you know, that's what they did. And Phil, yeah, speaking, speaking about which, I'm just going to wind you up for this one. He was talking about that they were forced in Toronto to make mistakes. Same thing with the Rangers. Toronto was just turning the puck over, and the Islanders were just capitalizing on them all day. I, I was just going to say the the big Toronto's big four between Tavares, Marner, uh, Matthews, and Nylander on the night they went a minus eight. Nylander <laughs> was even with no points and uh Tavares was a minus three no points Marner a goal minus three and then Matthews an assist minus two so a big bad night for the big four in Toronto yeah that is not a night that they would want and for a team that's been doing very well with their goals against the that's you you don't want that situation and also Again, we, we still haven't even gotten to mention this. Ilya Samsonov did not look good last night. Ilya Samsonov is, wait, wait for it, not good. Hmm. I find your thoughts intriguing and wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Speaking about which, everybody, make sure that you subscribe and hit the like button for us. Uh, I'm going to be hitting those again later. So uh, just one, uh, once again, a reminder, go to SeatGeek, go look up your tickets, $20 off your first order. Use the promo code BA, uh, Big Apple Hockey. And, you know, I did it for the Devils game last week. And I'll be doing it for whatever games I'm going to be seeing the rest of the year. Let's get into bar talk and let's talk more about some of the issues we brought up just a minute ago. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. 
I still love every single time I ever hear that answer, Anthony, because I know you called me a hack right after that. So, everybody, <laughs> welcome back to Big App Hockey's Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you going to play along down in the comments below, or are you just, oh, God, give me a shot? Or are you so confident you're buying everybody around, or just so-so, I'll have a beer? And... Also, <laughs> welcome back to layup talking. That's, that's kind of what it's been lately. By the way, speaking about layups, my poll question of the day is core was good to point out. Uh, are the Islanders a playoff team? 72% of you are saying yes, they are now. So 72%. I can't believe yeah, I think that might be why he called it layup talk. <laughs> it kind of kind of is it sometimes, you know. Sometimes we just need to, to talk about things, and I'll throw the way up in there. By the way, guys, if you don't want to go to the liquor store, have it come to you. Make it a drizzly night. Uh, click the link in the description below and, you know, get get your liquor brought to you. Liquor, beer, whatever you want. They they got it all. Filk, we talked about him, and, oh, I, before I forget, I am wearing the hat today. Hats are coming again soon. I'm going to be updating that more. Filk. Do you know who the first New York Ranger to have four points in a period is? Or as far as de defenseman, New York Rangers defenseman to have four points in a period. Well, it was Keandre Miller the other night against Nashville, and that was ridiculous. And that was ridiculous. Keandre Miller is the most important defenseman for postseason success for the Rangers. I'm going to say beer. Uh... I want to go. I want to lean towards shot too, but it's. I'm gonna to to go with beer because he is very important due to the fact that that second pairing needs to be a hell of a lot better than they've been, and he needs to play be a hell of a lot better in his own zone. Um, if he's going to continue to be inconsistent defensively and give you games where he looks great, and then games where he just looks awful, like he looked last night. Um, yeah, I, I don't know um, what this team is going to do. So uh, I, I'm going to say beer here only because Adam Fox is the most important defenseman, and that's that's by far. Um, but Keandre Miller's got to be either number two or number three at this point. Anthony. Um, I'm actually going to go shot only because I think Ryan Lindgren is, is really important come the playoff time. Um, I know he doesn't put up the points, but he's, you know, he's a warrior. He, he defends well in front of the net and, you know, in the playoffs, you win games in the trenches and, you know, if he could yep. stay healthy and play a style of hockey, that's going to go a long way in the Rangers, you know, shutting down some other teams. So, I mean, while Miller's important, you know, he skates well, you know, if he produces some points that will help. Sure. Um, but I just think, I think Lindgren's, you know, more important, obviously you could even Fox too. So uh, I'll stick with a shot. Uh, I'm still all over the place on this one, and he is establishing a new career high in points. He's got 38. He's almost assured, assuredly going to double his career high, which is 20. Uh, he's the guy that ends up being on the matchup defensive pairing. But you got to say Adam Fox. You got to say Ryan Lindgren. You guys hit two nails on the head right there. And if you, even if you want to go on the underside of that that the Rangers need Brian Schneider to be better. So that way they can really carry the, the bottom pairing. I am going to go beer on this. Uh, I, I think he's, he's going to, he's going to be critical him and Truba have to do better. I still think it should be Miller and Schneider. I think instead of um, 
uh, or were they both left? Or I think it's Mid- Miller, Miller is the lefty, Schneider's on the right side. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure I wasn't being completely stupid, but uh, uh, I, I still think it should be Miller, Schneider, and then put Mikula with uh, Truba. But you know, that's just me. They're, they're, they're calling you out for call for calling them. Oh, Brian, Brian Schneider, the Mets catcher. Oh, oh Brandon Schneider. God, wow! I didn't even uh, hear that. Another Markism. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. He and Brian Schneider hasn't been. Oh Jesus. Oh, let's not talk about Markisms. Yeah. <laughs> let's find sleep. another another word on that. Let's move along. At least I still had Kendra Miller as the right person. All right. Zach Parise, 19 goals this year. Unbelievable numbers from him. Anthony, Zach Parise doesn't get enough credit for the Islander success. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a round for me here. Uh, Parise, 38 years old, like you just said, 19 goals, but it's not just the goals. You know, I watch him every night. He just night in, night out. He just brings his lunch pail and he just goes to work Four checks. He, you know, he gets in the corners, he hits, um, he's integral on the, on the penalty kill. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, he'll die for a loose puck. He'll put his body on the line. Um, you know, and, Obviously, he's not the same player he was when he was in New Jersey early on in Minnesota. But, you know, as you can see, you know, he's still chipping in offensively. And like I said, in all those other areas, um, you know, he really brings it. And, you know, this is a guy that um, he's already making a ton of money from his buyout in Minnesota. He doesn't he doesn't really care about money right now. It's as as evident with playing on league minimum deals the last two years. Just keep resigning this guy to one year deals until, you know, he doesn't want to play anymore. Um, He's a fan favorite. Phil, do you have the layup, you know, <laughs> gift available? I know you have the easy button, but where's the layup gift? Because this really I know there's there's a layup, layup gift. I haven't been able to to find. No, the, you're the gonna have to play a layup video for some of these because this is, <laughs> you know, what? And I was thinking about this, and I was going to say enough credit for Islander success, but um, you know, it's sort of like implying that he's like the big, big, big part of it. I would I would say he's he's got a role in it, uh, and he he definitely I think he's definitely underappreciated. Um, like Anthony said, he does a lot of little things that don't show up on the score sheet, like that extra effort, you know, in there on the forecheck uh, or on the back check to break up a play. Sometimes that's not going to show up on a score sheet. And Zach Parise does a lot of those things. He's also a locker room leader. He's been in leadership positions just about everywhere he's played, going back to his days at Shattuck St. Mary's when I believe he was a captain there. Um, so Zach Parise is a big part of what the Islanders are doing. And, yeah, he definitely uh, doesn't get enough credit. But I'll tell you this, um, 20 goals for a guy that's going to be 39 mm-hmm. over the summer – and you thought the you thought that the wheels were falling off on him when the Islanders picked him up. I was like, all right, fourth line or whatever. You know, if he scores scores ten goals and twenty points, you, you call that a win. You know, he gives you some time on the penalty kill in your second unit. But he's become like a legitimate middle six player again. Like if you need to move him up on a line to get a spark going in the middle of the game because your lines aren't working, you want to send a message to the other players. Like he's actually a viable option for that now. You didn't think that would happen when they first signed him. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely around with this. 
I'd, I'd almost say he's the ideal Lou, Lou Lamarillo player. And uh, Gee, just to be, you think? Yeah. And just, I Can mean, we get another layup for that one? I mean, well, there's a lot of those guys you could say going all the way back. No, but it, before undertones here, who drafted Zach Parise? <laughs> oh, of course, Lou did. Yeah. Oh wait, Glenn, wait, wait. Glenn Sather didn't draft Zach Parise. I, I'm sorry, I forgot all about that because oh, he, he wanted Hugh Jessamine. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, back at you. Okay. And, and okay. And by the way, just just to make us all feel better, I, I'm probably gonna have to get a dough gift going in there for all my mistakes or whenever I make them. But uh, I, I, I should just call him JP Parise just for a second, just to make sure that I have it in there. But no, Zach Parise is a great player. And again, as you said, going all the way back to St. Mary's, uh, Philk, because th this is a guy that watching him play with Team USA over the years, you're like, oh, goodness, I, why can't this guy be on my team? And we kind of talked about it when they got Parise. We thought that was a great deal, but if he's on the first line, that's that's not a good thing. He's a spot in first liner now. He's a middle six guy, as you said. I mean, he's done a great job. He's and so I gotta I gotta go round on this. If I didn't, I hit beer. Okay, so there's a round. So you, Anthony kind of talked me into that. All right, JP Parise, everybody. But um, Phil, here's something we don't. Wow, wait a minute, because I. I, I gotta check. I gotta correct one abbreviation. Um, we got the race for Connor Bedard that we're gonna do right now. There was speaking about a big mistake. The abbreviation was COL for the one that's the lowest ranked team uh, right now, but it's oh, actually yeah. CBJ, not Colorado. Uh, so it's a good thing I caught that before I hit the button. And really, just another Markism. But job. the Columbus Blue Jackets won the offseason last year, and they're losing the regular season. 51 points, uh, 53 for San Jose. San Jose has two games extra played. Uh, Chicago has been winning. They're at 54. Anaheim at 56. Phil, the Columbus Blue Jackets will finish dead last in the NHL. I'm going to say beer. I just, just because... I mean, they're there right now, but Johnny Gaudreau had himself a four-point game the other night. Um, he's he's still a really good player. He still doesn't want to lose games. I don't blame him. Teams don't look to tank, even even for a guy like this, even though it would help an organization out. So, I mean, it's, it's going to come down to them in San Jose, more than likely. Chicago – somehow found a way to win games despite not having anybody anymore. So, I mean, good for them. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be them at or San Jose. So, I'm only going to say beer right now because I, I, this is like a definitive yes. I can't give a definitive yes for it. Anthony. I'm going to say beer. Um, she made me chuckle last night. Butcher Gross was saying that the Blue Jackets are going to – um, regret their come from behind win last night in Washington. Obviously not the players, the organization. Because they were they were down five three. They were down five three. It looked like they were gonna lose. They came back and they won seven six in overtime. So um, I get why he said that. But um, look, I mean they got a really good player in Johnny Gaudreau. You know Line A. Um, you know Merzlikens after you know looking like his first year in the league where it looked like he might be a pretty good goalie. He's been pretty bad since. So. Um, and they got so many other holes in their lineup, but and when you look at some other teams, Chicago, San Jose, you know they 
they honestly could easily be worse. Um, they're all in that same group of just being dreadful. So I don't want to say round because that implies I think they will. There's certainly a chance. But I, I do still think there's a chance that Chicago, San Jose, or even Anaheim still finish last in the league. I'm actually going to go around on this one. I know they're not trying to tank. It just might be that they're just not good enough, that there's injuries. and But they also got nothing to play for. And if you look at a lot of these teams on the bottom, I'm just going to go with just the one that's sticking out the most. The Arizona Coyotes are 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. What the – if they're trying to tank, they're, they're not doing a good job of it. It's no. just that simple. So, no, not at all. Yeah. Speaking about teams that were in the hunt, but also not, they they were kind of in no man's land. Buffalo Sabres, two, six, and two in their last 10. And they were in a position to make the playoffs potentially. It was a bit of a long shot. They had to win all their games, but it was a bit of a long shot. Kevin Adams let his team down at the deadline. I'll start this one, guys. And I'm actually going to go beer. Um, look, could he have acquired somebody to help out somewhere? Maybe catch lightning in a bottle and maybe they squeak in and they get in there. But also, this is still a team that's rebuilding. I've killed Kevin Adams in the past. I'm not killing him on this one. I think I think it was best to save your assets, keep building, Go get them next year, guys. We're, we're almost there. That's what you could almost say. Now, on the other hand, we were talking about this earlier in the week. Devin Levy, uh, Devin Levi, I'm sorry, Levi, uh, he, um, he signed his entry-level yes. contract. So they might actually get a look at him before the end of the year. And he put up unreal numbers at Northeastern. And uh, I, when I do more breakdowns on BigAppleHockeyPodcast.com, it's just, you know, it's the it, that that's one of those guys I'm looking at and going if if they hit on Devin Devin Levi, I'm not killing Kevin Adams for a long time. So, Ant, what do you think? Kevin Adams let his team down. You know, I'm gonna kill him though. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go round here. Um, you know, I had said before the trade deadline that yeah, they likely weren't gonna make the playoffs. So I understand, you know, not not doing something major, stay the course. You have a lot of good pieces. You're eventually be good. But I remember Phil saying this, why not at least make a move to show your team that like, you know, like throw your bone, like, Hey, you know, you are, there is a lot of improvement. I do believe in you and at least make a move to like, you know, it's to do something like make them give them faith. And like, he did nothing. He had a Jordan Greenway. Um, that wasn't enough. I mean, the Sabres were for a while. They were in that line where, you know, if they added maybe a piece or two, maybe they could have, you know, competed and ended their playoff drought. Um, the fact that he did nothing, I think, is abysmal. Um, I'm not saying, again, I wanted him to trade, you know, Krebs and first-round pick, go all-in like that, but at least add something to your team, you know, reinvigorate them, give them some belief to be excited about come the deadline and, you know, uh, down the stretch of the playoff push and, you know, really make it. Um, and he sat on his hands and did nothing. So um, I think that was the wrong move. Uh, I think he could have. I think could have at least made a move here. Um, and as you said, since then they've been really, they've been really dreadful. Phil, yeah, um, I was gonna go shot here, and I'm still like, I'm still torn between shot and beer. Uh, Anthony, Anthony, reminding everybody of what I said about. Um, 
know, Kevin Adams making a move, but he did make a move and he went and added Greenway. And yeah, and I get it. Greenway wasn't going to push them over the top, but the type of moves that were going to push them over the top and get them into a playoff spot, were going to cost, they were going to cost assets. And listen, I, I like the fact that he made a move because he made a move that could help them now. And he made a move that could help in the future. So you know what? I'm going to stay with shot. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it at shot because if Jordan Greenway works out, we're going to look back at that move and you're going to say, Hey, they got this guy for nothing. And now he's turned into one of the better power forwards out there. Let's just say he finds that step in his development playing with maybe someone like Dylan cousins or, or, you know, maybe even Tage Thompson next year or beyond or something like that. You're looking at that move and you're saying, Hey, you know what? He was patient. He got a good young piece for the future that still had some room to grow. And he didn't give up any assets. And, and you know what? For me, I'm okay with that. And I, I think the Buffalo fans, the smart ones will understand that, hey, you know what? Maybe the prices were a little too high on some of the guys that they would have wanted. Like Vladislav Gabrikov would have been probably a little too rich for Buffalo's blood, even though I think he would have been the absolute number one target that they probably would have went after if they had the expendable assets to, uh, to go uh, give off to get someone like that. So uh, I'm staying shot here. I just also, I started laughing in the middle of this because I started thinking about what asset could they have gotten from a team dirt cheap and you still could have just gotten maybe something for your team. How about this one, James Van Riemsdyk? Because after all, the winner of the Peter Shirelli Award of how did we let this guy keep running this team and then, oh, let's get rid of him now. Because he didn't he didn't trade James Van Riemsdyk, who was clearly the guy that they needed to trade. And, uh, I mean, Chuck Fletcher, that's a guy that really let down his team. I got to go with Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, Where's Chuck that? Fletcher really, really let down his team, and that's why he's – you got shit can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking more about that Fanatics uh, stuff yeah. in a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know what? That brings that brings a lot of joy to us hearing, hearing a laugh like that. Guys, the Central Division, it is really tight. Dallas, 90 points. Minnesota, 90 points. Colorado, 88 points. They take on the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight, by the way, Anthony. And Colorado, two games in hand on both teams. Colorado it will win the Central Division. I'll start with you, Ant. You know, round. Um, you know, for a while they were sitting in a wild card spot and people sleeping on the avalanche, but they've they've really picked up their game here. Um as we get closer to come playoffs and what a surprise that is gee right i mean look what the lightning did for a couple of years you, you know you're going to be there in the end so you're a little bit on cruise control i think for a while combined with the injuries that's what the abs were doing but um yeah they're two points behind uh, dallas um i i don't know I, I just think the abs are rolling right now i think they're gonna they know what it takes to get the job done um you know i i I mean, I've, I've questioned Gorgia for a while, but he's at least he's providing them with good enough goaltending that they're still winning games. Um, I, I'd like the makeup of the team. Uh, I, I think they're going to end up pulling it out. Might only be by point, but I think they're going to squeak by and win the division. All right. Phil? You know what? I, I've got to go around myself. 
And um, the reason I, I say that is just because <laughs> I love the year that Jamie Ben is having in Dallas. He's got 70 points in 71 games. Like whoever thought Jamie Ben would get back to about a point per game. Rupe Hints is over a point per game. Joe Pavelski doesn't seem to be closing, uh, slowing down. Uh, Mira Haskins got 61 points already in 68 games. Tyler Sagan has cooled off immensely. Um, I love the emergence of Wyatt Johnston, uh, putting, you know, breaking some Dallas Stars rookie records. And they say Dallas Stars because Mike Medanos doesn't count towards that franchise as he did it with the Minnesota North Stars, not the Dallas Stars. Really? So, yes. They wouldn't it, count that they're the same franchise? franchise record. By 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 or by Dallas Stars team record, it, it's it's Wyatt Johnson now has the rookie gold record. So yeah, I, I got I got corrected by the uh, social media account for the Dallas Stars in regards to that because I answered I asked the question myself, and they they ended up uh, specifying that to me. But Colorado just has firepower, and they have star power that Dallas just does not have right now, and. Uh, I, listen, Jake Ottinger is like here compared to Alexander Georgiev there, but the rest of the team is just so much in favor of Colorado, even with losing guys like Kadri and Burakovsky and so on. The pieces have come in. Bowen Byron's back. He's playing well. They have one of the best defensive units in the league. Uh, I, Colorado is going to – they remind me of the – right now they're reminding me of the 2000 Yankees. Cruise control the entire year. They got to the playoffs, and then they're just going to turn everything on, and they're a scary, scary team still. So, yeah, round. All right, and I got to say this because I I had to look this up. I was sort of like Winona Ryder uh, years ago at the – I think it was the Screen Actors Guild Awards where she's going, huh, huh, huh? But – um. I looked over at this. I, I'm going to go round two, and here's the reason why, and I had to double-check to be sure. Colorado's got the 30th easiest uh, schedule, according to Tankathon right now, and this is their schedule coming up. Yes, by the way, they get back-to-back games against home for Minnesota and home for Dallas. This is what's coming. That's starting on the 29th and uh, April 1st. Tonight they get Pittsburgh. You're welcome, New York Islanders. They get a home-and-home against Arizona, even though Arizona is a sneaky home uh, uh, team. you got to watch out for them. They're, yeah, they're Arizona's home record is really good. It, it might have something to do with them actually having a packed-out stadium. <laughs> Sorry. But um, uh, then they get Anaheim. After that, I know they have two games against San Jose next month, both in San Jose, then in L.A., at, at, at LA, at 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 Anaheim again. They get two games versus Anaheim, two games versus the Sharks, two games versus Arizona, and let's and let's be honest, you're playing Winnipeg right now. You might as well be playing a dead team, and then eventually it's Nashville. <laughs> I, they're winning the division. They they might steamroll in the next ten games. I would not be surprised. I mean, just wow, and and I really like a lot of those teams. And right now, it. You know what? Actually, we're going to bring one of those up uh, during the who says no comments. Guys, speaking about one of the division leaders, and a matter of fact, the number one team in the Western Conference, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Logan Thompson is traveling with the team. He's been out since February 9th. But Jonathan Quick, 
Five and one, two point nine eight goals against average, nine zero six save percentage. Vegas can win a cup with Jonathan Quick, Mister Filkowski. Shot. That's not going to be good enough for the playoffs. When you have a team like Colorado last year, yeah, but Vegas is not Colorado last year. Mark Stone's not back. We don't know if he's going to be back. Um, they're not as deep of a team as a team like Colorado. You're going to need goaltending much better than that to win if you don't have a super team like Colorado did last year. So, no, not the same shot. Anthony. I was thinking shot all the way. Um, but change of heart last minute. I'm going to go beer. Just And I'm just going to throw a quick a bone. You know, he's – He's won cups. He's a veteran. You know, who knows? Maybe in the playoffs, you know, he maybe his final run, he, you know, he picks up his game and can give him good enough goaltending where, you know, they can make a run. But in perfect world, obviously, you know, his, his numbers in the regular season, you want it to be a little better. They are better than it was in LA. So that's a start. But, um, you know, he's fallen a lot. Um, you know, perfect world also. Logan Thompson comes back for Vegas. But um, in the meantime, I don't see it happening, but I'm not going to bet against Quick totally just because he's won before. So uh, that's why I changed to a beer. Now, it's funny because when originally I had this in the rundown, I actually had it as uh, we didn't have it in the rundown for us. I had it as over under uh, two and a half games for Jonathan Quick. We decided to change it to this. And you got a motivated Jonathan Quick, a guy that's done it before. Maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. I'm going to leave it just to a beer. I really think it's Logan Thompson. It might be closer to, let's say, for instance, um, the the Darcy Kemper, uh, Pavel Francois uh, combination last year that they both won eight games. Maybe it's a little bit closer to that. But if you're relying on Jonathan Quick, I don't know if goalies have that last run in them. And... Because th- that's a lot to put on their shoulders at their age. I think that's very tough. He he also he also wants to shove it up, you know, LA's, you know what? And especially if they were to meet in the second round, he's going to be really really motivated. So, Phil, I'm going to paint this picture to you. Um, LA versus uh, Las Vegas, second round. There, let's say the series is tied at one. John of the Quicks first game back. He's starting in LA. Do they do the video tribute then, or do they wait till the next year? That's actually a, that's actually the best bar talk question I think we've had. <laughs> that's a real good one, actually. Jeez, um, I don't even know. Oh my god, um, I can't even think of a situation where that would ever happen. I don't think you would have to do it then. Would you like? Would you really want to do that? If, if let's just say. Quick eliminated Vegas from the playoffs. And then he came back first regular season game was like, I don't know, first or second game of the season against LA. Cause NHL clearly loves to do that with their scheduling. Mm. You really would want to do that and maybe have highlights of him making saves against you or something like that. Or after he made those saves against you, I, I wouldn't, I would not want to do that then. So I, I get that video tribute out of the way then and, and try to maybe you know get him all emotional, so this way he's not as mad and motivated. And maybe you could get him off his game a little bit. I I never thought about the video tribute as a tactic right there. Okay, so you're buying everybody around on that one. 
uh, yeah, I would definitely do it before the uh, before the playoff uh, before or, or uh, during the playoff game at that point. Because Anthony, not, do you do the video that. tribute? Then. I'm not doing a video tribute after a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just it's gonna be it would be his first time back there. I mean, I think they would play it. I mean, regular playoffs, regular season. It's a player that you've had for a long time. First game back. I don't think they would not do it. So, I, I, guys, I gotta go shot on this. And the reason why is because you you got a playoff series. You can't be focusing on honoring the other team. It's not as I mean we read into it as that, but it's for for the for the Kings. It would just be about recognizing a guy who's been there for a long time and won cups. I don't think they'll think anything of it. Yeah, but a lot of the times with these video tributes, it actually motivates the player, and then they end up beating the other team, the team they used to play. Uh, I don't know. I don't really think it matters too much. Uh, I think that that's a little uh, stretch Armstrongish there, bud. I know it's a little bit stretch Armstrongish because I always I think about Messier. You know the video tributes that mattered. So uh, not like when Stephen Weiss got his video tribute going back to Florida. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's just those, those little things. I just, I think about it like that. I, I don't think you can honor the other team at this moment. It's just, it's not possible. All right. Uh, we're going to get, re- get rid of, out of bar talk in a few minutes. Cause there's a couple other topics that then we're going to go to, uh, just one more block before Q and a, uh, Alexander Ovechkin broke Wayne Gretzky's record for most 40 goal seasons. Anthony, he, he's your favorite player. Can Alex Ovechkin reach 50 goals again? I mean, I'd love to see him do it. He would need to score 10 goals in 10 games to do it. Um, I mean, if there is anybody that could do it, aside from McDavid, um, you know, it would be him. Um, so I'll I'll go shot. I mean, I want to see him do it, but I, I don't I don't think he will. But on the flip side, you know, he has three goals in his last two games. You know, who's to say, you know, his, his next game he has, you know, he has two goals and then he scores a goal here. You know, you're talking 43, 44 goals, but maybe, you know, four – five games left um you know maybe it's possible but uh, my gut says shot um but i really would love to see him do it Bilk. so the question is it this, this season i realized what anthony meant afterwards yeah because you just changed it yep i had to fix it okay um ooh, um i'm gonna have to say shot now I don't think it's happening. Um, that would be incredible, though, if he did. That would be some just unreal run of goal scoring. Because um, I believe he just got his 40th, and he has – he's missed a few games, obviously, because of the death in the family. Um, and Capitals are now – 33 31 and that's okay so they are at 72 games so that's 10 games left Oof. yeah uh 10 goals in 10 games it's possible but it, just because it's him but i i don't see it this year i'm gonna go beer because if you ever count out alexander Veshkin, he'll bat he'll have back-to-back hat tricks because that's what Alexander Ovechkin has done his entire career. This guy, yeah, after 2012, a lot of people thought he was dropping off. And he then comes back and wins an MVP. Uh, everybody thought, oh, he's, he's yeah, no good. Sure. He, he then comes, he's, oh, they go, he won a President's Trophy. This team looks like they're ready to win a cup. Then they come up short. Oh, they're never going to win a cup. Then he wins a cup. 
Then he wins a Conn Smythe, arguably, because obviously Kuznetsov could have won I, it that year. I think he's. I think he ends up forty six. That's my guess, but I would love to see him do it. I mean, that's that's still impressive. That's still a great thing. If he gets yeah. the ten, he he finishes with eight thirty on the year, and then he needs only sixty five more goals to break Wayne Gretzky's record. And you know that's going to happen, and he'll definitely do that. And Wayne wants him to In do it. In two years, he would do that. I, I still can't believe he's actually going to do it. Like, th- that's that's incredible. I thought he was going to fall just short. And even when I said he was going to fall just short, I realized if he falls short, he's going in. So uh, he'll play one more year. Philk, with all the races that are going on, the division races are more entertaining than the wild card races right now. Wow. That's actually a, uh, a good one. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to say round. Um, and, and the reason why is because I, I look at these. Jersey and Carolina is an entertaining race. The Rangers, if they would have won last night, they would have been at 94 and Carolina would still be at 98. Then that would be a real tight race. Atlantic, we're not even going to worry about that. That's a 20-point lead with 10 games to go. That's not happening. Boston will probably clinch the President's Trophy pretty soon. Then you've got the central, which we just talked about before, which is a very, very tight race, three teams separated by, you know, two points, Colorado, two games in hand. And then Pacific, three teams separated by six points, all have the same amount of games in hand. And then in the Pacific, Seattle's three points back of Edmonton in the first wild card spot. And then you have Winnipeg with 83 points. So, I mean, these are all pretty interesting races. And the wild card, it's, Okay, you know the Islanders, Florida, Pittsburgh. You know that's that's cool. I mean, the uh, the exciting thing there is to see if Pittsburgh misses the playoffs for the first time in 17 years, I think. And then the other wild card. I mean, Winnipeg's got a four point lead on Calgary, and those two teams <laughs> seem like they're doing everything that they can to lose games, not win. So that's not really entertaining either. So I'm going to say around here. All right, Anthony. The divisional series, uh, the divisional races are more entertaining than the wild card races. Yeah, it's around. Um, you know, in the West, only Calgary's, you know, somewhat alive. Um, you know, in the East, yeah, you know, you have three-team race, but even then it's starting to look like, you know, like the Islanders are going to get a spot and it's against, you know, Florida and Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I think it's so. Yeah, it's easily. It'd be different if, like, in the West, there was like four teams that could still realistically make it. In the East, it's a bunch, and um, so now it's the division races for sure. I gotta go down to beer, and I wanted to make it. Um, I put this question up on the weekend for us because it seemed like it wasn't going to be all that that interesting. And two teams have made it inter- the uh, any wild card race a little bit interesting. And that's the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Calgary Flames. Because every time you think you think the Calgary Flames could get back into it, then they go up and they lay an absolute egg like they did Monday night against LA. And oh. then um then then what happens with the Pittsburgh Penguins? You're going, oh, Pittsburgh's just gonna go on cruise control, they're gonna beat the Rangers one of the two games. And they're going to look pretty good. And then they can't get a puck past a rookie goalie. Or they got one. I'm sorry. But hey, then they lose regulation. Through. 
Oh, what? Yeah. I mean, it, even that, that puck squeaked through Ferguson. It was it, it, right. he made the save and it still squeaked through. I mean, even the Panthers. The Panthers. I mean, in a game they really needed to win, they lose to the Flyers. Yeah. I mean, how did they we lose five five two? They got yeah. their doors blown off. Yeah. Oh, terrible. And you know, and I mean, I get they gave Bob Roski the night off, and Alex Lyons started, but still, I mean, oh yeah, well, that'll do it. You can't beat the Flyers with your backup goalie, and and this is this well, goes back to why I don't think the Panthers are much of a threat if they do make the playoffs. Or no. I mean, Bobrovsky's hasn't really played that well. I mean, the guy let up four goals, what four goals on five shots in that game, barn burner game. They won much. They where they beat Montreal. Like, come on, like they're not. I don't know. I. I I think both Pittsburgh and the the Panthers are, you know, seriously. I'd be shocked if either one of those teams won more than one game in a playoff series. Oh, because you're gonna play ball. You'd play Boston as a second wild card. Gonna trounce them. (laughs) No, it would be ugly. It would be really ugly. Right. It it would. It would look like Stone Cold beating a Booker team in that supermarket. (laughs) Yeah, that's what that would look like. I do have to say this: there is a team Boston would fear that, and they don't. They don't want them to get the wild card. We're gonna talk about that more in a minute. Guys, so last night, did any of you watch the World Baseball Classic? No, but I, I saw all the I saw all the tweets. Otani versus Trout in that last. So I I, yeah. I know all that. I, I didn't watch it, but I, I heard about it. Yeah, that it came down last night. Japan wins the World Baseball Classic three to two over USA. Uh, that they were absolutely. Uh, it, it was it was actually a really good game, and that it ended up being Otani versus Trout. Mono mano. I guess the closest thing we've gotten to that was Crosby beating Miller in 2010 because that was Miller at the top of his game, Crosby at the top of his game. What at the Olympics? In the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of an international moment that's like that. You're yeah. talking about two guys at the absolute top of their game. I mean, not really Lundquist versus Price in 2014. Uh, or, I mean, obviously nothing since then because that was the last one that the professionals played at, but uh, also a lot of talk has when the placement for the world baseball classic should be, should it be at the beginning of the season when guys are trying to get ready or should they take a break in the middle of the season? And when all eyes are on baseball and instead of doing the all-star game, which almost nobody gives a crap about anymore, except for the home run derby. So that asks the question, should hockey move? the World Cup of Hockey, to mid-season. Well, they, and I'll, I'll start with you on that one, Anthony. Uh, aren't they already bringing the World Cup of Hockey back in 2024 or 2025? Yeah, they're bringing it back, but they usually do Before it in September. Season. Yeah, September. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see them doing it mid-season. I, I know that's what they do when there's Olympic years. They shut down, but um, – I don't see the league voluntarily shutting that, you know, because I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, an all-star game where it's meaningless and guys don't try. I mean, a tournament like that is going to put a grind on their bodies and then they got to come back and continue to play the rigors of an NHL regular season. Um, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, it's, it's a shot for me. There's a reason why when they are bringing it back in a year and a half or whatever it is, it's going to be before the season starts. Because you, you, you can't you, you can't do that to them midseason. I just don't see any way that would that would happen. I mean, I think the players would agree to it if it was the Olympics, because that's you know that's different. But for mm-hmm. the World Cup of Hockey, I, I don't see the PA going for that at all. Phil, 
shot. This is just for all the reasons that Anthony said, and not only that, but you, you're, you're, you're asking for a tournament that's a step down from the Olympics. You're asking players to risk injury in the middle of the season for the World Cup of Hockey. I doubt, I don't, I doubt any player would want to do that. I, I highly doubt it. And I get why this came up because of what Connor McDavid said, because Connor McDavid is talking about, oh, how, you know, the NHL needs to showcase the best on the best. Yeah, no, I agree. Totally agree with it. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely not, um, definitely not in any time other than September. And it was great in 96, 97 when they did it. And they did the 96 World Cup of Hockey. That was a great tournament. Um they just need to get back to, you know, actually having it, uh, you know, every four years or so, whatever, however many years they want to do it. And they need to figure out something in terms of the young players and the, uh, that team Europe thing. Yeah. I just think you should just let the other teams qualify. Just like the Olympics, just do it all. Don't do a team Europe thing. That was stupid. And youth is not a country. So stop with that too. There's a young player that's good. Like that year, uh, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel were teammates when they could have been playing. And Austin Matthews. Yeah, I thought that was. I disagree. I thought that was fun. I, I thought it was fun, I, I thought it was fun seeing the, all those guys, yeah, the young guys, play against Canada and USA. I, I really, I really enjoyed that. That yeah, that but was then cool. you're taking away the nationalism and you're making it more of an ageism. Yeah, well, I get it, but you know what? You weren't going to see those guys on Team Canada. Nathan McKinnon wasn't going to make Team Canada. Con- Connor McDavid could have. Connor McDavid could have, yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you had McKinnon, Matthews, Eichel. Um, wasn't Matthews Johnny- and McKinnon. Oh, sorry, not Matthews. Johnny Gaudreau, I think, Matthews was and Eichel really too. helped out Team USA. John- Johnny Gaudreau, I think, was on that team too. Yes, he was. I mean, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and it hurt Team USA in a way. But, like, just having that type of talent all on one team made that game. Tell me, and tell you can't tell me that arguably the most exciting game in that tournament wasn't Sweden the USA. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, I uh, yeah. I think they got that right. And and uh, McKinnon finishing it off against Longquist. So yeah, but again, by the way, you guys outlined all the good reasons, and um, I'm gonna go with one other reason to say shot for this. And one reason why I brought this up was because NHL Network was talking about this. Uh, no, this is one of those things. You you get it into the like late August, maybe early September, and you end up showcasing hockey as a sport as 12 months around. I know hockey is totally fine being 11 months or even 10 months. Everybody goes to their cottages. It's fine. But this, this start helps to make hockey a year-round thing even though a lot of guys are already committed to a lot of this stuff. Everybody, thanks for joining us at Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our uh, confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Brought to you by Drizzly. Why go to the liquor store? Have Drizzly bring it all to you. Click the link in the description below. Now, we did – I'm proposing this. Let's see how well this goes. Because there's a segment that Anthony pitched a while ago, and I, I thought, hey, why don't we tweak it? Let's let's uh let's do something a little bit different with this, and uh, guys, we're gonna do a quick. Who says no? Uh, it's a no for me, dog. Mm, no. No. Mm, no. No. 
All right, because we're going to get Anthony back right now because we're doing a little bit of a Big Apple Hockey who says no, but it's not what you think. Usually it's for mock trades. We're going to talk about playoff matchups tonight. And if you ever need hockey equipment, guys, go to Pure Hockey. Click the link in the description below. I always find it's like Randall walking through the video store, uh, RSD Video and Clerks, where he just walks through and he's in heaven every time I'm ever there. Great selection. But this week, we're going to talk about potential first-round matchups that teams may not exactly want. And, Phil, let me start you with this one. Who's really want, doesn't want this matchup to happen, the Rangers or the Devils? I don't think the Devils want that matchup to happen. And I know that other fans might come back and say, oh, well, the Rangers don't want that because of the Devils' speed. Now, listen, everybody has their own adjustment periods, but – if you're going to tell me that you're happy with what you've seen from Timo Meyer in New Jersey, I think you're a liar. I'm going to call you a bold-faced liar right to your face. Um, I don't like their goaltending. I, I don't think their goaltending is proven. I don't think it's all that great. Uh, they have a good young team. They're inexperienced, and they're going to face a lot of star power. Remember, last time the Rangers and the Devils faced, there was no Kane. There was no Tarasenko. So um, I think you know the Devils have a decent defensive unit. It's not great, but the Rangers' depth is really going to test that unit, that goaltending. So I would say the Devils do not want that matchup. Anthony, who doesn't want this matchup? Anthony, you're muted. Yep, I was. Um, I actually think the Rangers match up better against the Hurricanes than they do the Devils. Um, they've beaten the Hurricanes before in the playoffs. Um, and I know the regular season is different than the playoffs, and I know – Rosters have changed on both sides. The Devils have given the Rangers fits in the regular season. Um, I, I just something about it, you know. Certain sometimes certain teams have certain teams' numbers. This year, the Devils have have played the Rangers really well. They play a really fast game. If I were a Ranger fan, I'd rather have them play the Hurricanes in the first round. So for me, I think I think the Rangers would say no on this. I've said this over and over and over again. I always called it the Yaroslav Halak rule, whether or not it's unfair or not. That's the wrong name to give it. But I always say when a goalie is getting his new max of games, he's got to be prepared to endure those games. And the later the season goes on, the more he can break down. Vitek Vanacek in the last month, yeah, 4-1-1 in February, 4-2-1 in March, sub-900 save percentage, Every month since then, uh, in February, 892, 2.75 goals against. In March, 888, 3.12 goals against. The Devils do not want the New York Rangers in any way. Because if if that happens, uh, you know, I like the Devils are playing right now. Like I said, I saw them last week against uh, Tampa Bay. But that's something that they got to make sure – they get right. I know they're playing Akira Schmid a lot more right now, but uh, I mean, that's it's it's not a good thing. How about this for a matchup? Wild card two, the New York Islanders versus the Boston Bruins. Who says no? Anthony. I mean, the Bruins shouldn't be afraid of everyone. They're the best team in the league. Um, and, you know, Chances are, whoever they play in the first round, um, 
they win. Um, but if if Boston were able to choose their opponent, they would not choose the New York Islanders. They would choose the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Florida Panthers. Um, and that's right now who they would play. I mean, perfect world. I, I don't see the Islanders dropping the wild card too, but stranger things have happened. Um, but I, I don't think the Bruins would welcome playing them just because they the style they play is more suited for the playoffs. Um, and unlike Pittsburgh with Tristan Jari and Bobrovsky in Florida, they don't have a goaltender that could possibly, you know, steal the series from them. Where, you know, the Islanders, you know, Ily Sorokin, you know, Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, maybe Attinger, those are probably the only guys that could steal a series from the Boston Bruins right now. Um, and the Bruins know that. Um, so this is tricky. I mean, I mean, the Bruins... Well, the Bruins aren't going to fear anybody, but out of yeah. the, I think you answered it exactly the way I want you to answer it. Yeah, okay. Out of the so I think the, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least we're on the okay. same page there. <clears throat> well, Nate? Yeah, sorry. Oh, I didn't even hear you yeah. say anything. Okay. Um, I, I, I think the Islanders don't want this matchup. Uh, I, I understand that. Sorokin could steal a series, but I, I don't think the Islanders want to see the Bruins. Maybe they maybe they do because they want to test themselves, but uh, deep down inside, I, I can tell you right now, no team would want to face Boston. It's not a slight at the Islanders. I, I don't think anybody would want to face Boston right now. Can they be beaten? Yeah, absolutely. Any any team can be beaten. We saw the 96 Red Wings get beaten. We saw the, the 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning get beaten. I mean, there are teams that are just amazing that have, have lost. So um, I, I don't think the Islanders want to see it. Will they Will they take the matchup on? Yeah. I mean, they have to if that, that's the case. But I don't see the Islanders slipping a wild card, too. Again, let me just be clear. This is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek one. Don't worry. There's going to be two more better ones soon enough. But uh, the I, I think the Bruins don't want any part – of a hot goalie or a great goalie like Ilya Sorokin. I mean, they're not really scared of Sergei Bobrovsky. He's playing all right, but not that great. And they're certainly licking their chops, looking at Tristan Jari. And uh, I have to look at the Bruins. They would probably stay no to this. I don't I don't think the Islanders want the Bruins either. I think the Islanders are going to keep uh, trying to be wild card one. And then they get Carolina or New Jersey. That could that's scary. They could actually win that series, I think. So, uh, but the Bruins would not want part, any part of Ilya Sorokin. Here's one for you out west: Edmonton Oilers versus the LA Kings, and it does look like that might be the matchup. Filk, which team does not want this matchup? LA. They do not want anything to do with Mick Drysidle at this point. <laughs> they don't, and. It, Edmonton went through them last year. I think they're an even better team this year, and I, I think Edmonton made the best pickup of any team at the deadline when they got Matias at home. He has been the biggest difference maker of any player that's been traded. He's done it offensively for them, which has been a huge, huge bonus, and he's solidified their defense. So um, I, I don't think L.A. wants anything to do with having to face the two of the, the best player in the world and then maybe – Number two or number three, if you want to say Leon Dreisaitl, whatever. And then 
an improved defensive group. So, yeah, I don't think Edmonton – I mean, uh, L.A. wants to face Edmonton. Anthony. I don't think L.A. wants to face Edmonton for the exact reasons that Philk laid out. Um, however, if you look at if you look at the Oilers from the Kings' perspective, they have Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner in, in goal, and they're not. That's not a winning combination either. And the Kings are capable of scoring goals. They got some good forwards. So I also think the Kings look at the Oilers and say, you know, we, we could beat them. Um, but I guess I lean a little more towards the Kings, not wanting the Oilers. I just wanted to add that nugget because I think the Oilers are very flawed too. Who does LA have in net though? Oh, no, you're right. To answer that question. Is, it's yeah, it's bad. Phoenix Copley and Jonas Corposalo. You don't think Connor McDavid is foaming at the mouth having to face those two goaltenders? I, I want to know what planet you're on then. <laughs> no, I, you, I can't. You're, I, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying the Oilers aren't good in goal either. So the Kings probably look at the Oilers as a team that they could score a lot of goals on. I, and, I'd take Campbell over I'd take Campbell over the two goaltenders combined, and I'm not even a big Campbell fan. Well, Here's one thing I have to say about that. Uh, in the old NHL on the Sega Genesis, and they would bring up everybody with the check marks next to them, offense, centers, right, right wing, left wing. If it would get down to goaltenders, there would be no check marks next to any of these teams. They're going to bring Z-level goaltending in this in this series. And I got to agree with both of you guys that both these goalies, the goaltending matchups are going to be terrible. I think LA, they're going to look at it and say they're going to roll Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau up against the big boys of Edmonton and see if they can shut them down. And this is a team that should have won that series last year. I don't think that's, I, I, I think I'd still say. LA would want Seattle to jump ahead, obviously, but I mean, it, it's so LA would be the team that doesn't want the matchup. But again, again, goaltending is going to be atrocious, absolutely yeah. atrocious. That's gonna, yeah, I think and, that's going to be out at the OK Corral. I mean, there might be a hundred goals in that series. <laughs> Ga- I mean, Gavrikov is a nice upgrade, and you know what? If maybe if Edmonton didn't add Ekholm. I would feel a lot more differently about this in Edmonton's perspective because Gabrikov is a good ad, although he hasn't been – he's been good, not great. But, I mean, Edmonton's upgraded in goal. L.A.'s upgraded at forward with Fiala. Um, and defense with Gabrikov, yeah. And defense with Gabrikov. But Edmonton's also – you know, they've got Kane back. I mean, they, 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 have, they have at home – I mean, they, they have pieces, so Edmonton's, Edmonton's done themselves a nice little job. Now, is this going to be one of those playoff series, sort of like St. Louis versus Minnesota last year, where you're expecting to see all four goaltenders? I don't know if you're necessarily expecting to see all four, but it definitely could happen. All right. I don't but, think I, either of these goaltenders, any of these goaltenders are great. And I mean, I trust Edmonton's too, just because they're a little more seasoned, I would say. Uh, you know, maybe Corpusalo's got some playoff seasoning, but I still, I don't even trust Corpusalo all that much. 
Anthony, in this playoff series, do you think you could see all four goaltenders? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Last one for us, guys, and then we're going to go to Q&A and just new notes. And that's the Dallas Stars versus the Minnesota Wild. Assuming Colorado rolls to win the division, which team does not want any part of the other one? Anthony. It's actually... I mean, I think it's actually even pretty fairly evenly matched. I mean, Minnesota's a real strong defensive team. Um, they play hard. Gustafson's actually been a surprising goal. Um, and then Dallas, too. I mean, they play strong defensively. Ottinger, too. So, two good goalies. Um, yeah, I, I don't I, – I think – I don't – I think both teams would probably feel the same way, that they have a really good chance of winning the series, especially if Kaprizov comes back. Um, I have a hard time picking which one wouldn't want any part of the other here, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm having trouble with this one, too. Phil, what do you think? I think Minnesota wants no part of Dallas. I, I, I just don't think that Minnesota has the depth to compete with Dallas's scoring. I think the defensive units are comparable. I think there's a big advantage in net in Dallas, too, in, in Ottinger over over anything that Minnesota could put in net. Um, so I, I, I don't think Minnesota wants anything to do with Dallas, if that's the case. All right. And you know what? <sighs> yeah, I'm going to say it's Minnesota. Uh, I don't know who Minnesota then matches up with. Minnesota, they, they've they been playing so well. They just recently got, had that 14-game point streak snapped. Uh, I, I forgot if it got larger than that. Sorry, it's been a long week uh but i mean i just i don't know who minnesota faces that's a favorable matchup and there's still a chance they can win the division possibly get uh uh seattle they might get right now so if they won the if they got the division they got to go for it as well they got to get over the avalanche so this was an interesting experiment that we had for big apple hockey who said no because i would love to do some more stuff like this and I, I even think we could do this for free with free agents too. So yeah, um, probably good. I like it. Yeah, you you guys you guys caught on to exactly what I still want. The Mike Smith, the, the let's just say the Oilers. Uh, uh, they might as well use a shooter tutor in that. <laughs> yeah, might as well put me in that, and I haven't played ice hockey goal since. Yeah, you might as God well just Goldberg Mark and just tie him to the posts in that point. <laughs> All right, um, guys. Do we have any notes besides? Uh, by the way, that fanatics and um, NYR for life says he thinks the Islanders would give Boston a run for the money, which I and mean, I also think the Islanders' style does not work well for Boston. Like they'd give Boston some fits. Yeah, not saying Boston would really be afraid or anything, but I do think that would be a, a problem. I mean, I think it would be a hard fought series. I just don't think that the, the Islanders would want to face Boston. I think they would rather face another team, and I think, I think Boston isn't really scared of the Islanders. I mean, the the one area where I would say that the Islanders have the advantage is absolutely in net. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I think Boston has the advantage up and down the lineup. And it's amazing because Linus Allmark is going to win the Vesna with epic numbers. And all of us in this panel are tied. Still in consider him the worst of the two goalies. Yeah. Like, 
It's it's one of those things, uh, to quote American Pie, you don't score until you score. Well, you don't win a playoff game until you win a playoff game. <laughs> and yeah. you, you certainly don't win 16. Uh, actually, I heard recently Spencer Knight might be rejoining the team. So. I, I hadn't heard anything, actually, so I, I was yeah. sure. All right, so I might I might just have bad information. The but... only thing I, I I remember at the time when it was announced, I heard I saw on Twitter. I thought someone said that it's actually not related to like drug or alcohol use. While I entered the program, so I don't I don't know. Maybe it was just mental health. Who knows? But wish him well. <laughs> the yeah, Panthers well... could use him. The Panthers could use him back because the problem is they're not going to be able to rely on Alex Lyon, and I don't know how many more games. You know. They probably also don't want to tire Bobrovsky out. That's so. probably why they they lost to Philly, though. It's you, you got Alex Lyon in there. Alex Lyon is garbage. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What are you guys' thoughts about uh, Fanatics becoming the new jersey supplier? I mean, Terrible. yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I think, I think their replica jerseys are a really poor quality. But now, you know. Maybe being that they're going to be the provider of the authentics on ice, I'm sure that hopefully at least they'll they'll improve the quality of the replicas. Um, but yeah, I I mean, Fanatics is huge uh, company now, and I was hoping that maybe you know I don't know, CCM or or Nike or someone stepped up, but it is what it is. Um, I guess we'll have, we have Adidas for one more year, which is next year, and then they make the switch. So at least they got a year to improve the product. Phil, you're shaking your head. What are you thinking? When you see pictures of Connor Bedard Canada jerseys spelled as Bedard, like like B A D A R D, yeah, like it's spelled completely wrong. Um, I, I saw a Jared Spurgeon jersey that was Spurgino instead of Spurgeon. So Jared Spurgeon apparently became Italian, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, you, you, the, the discoloration on jerseys, uh, there was a picture of the Calgary Flames' new Blasty jersey, the reverse retro. And the the authentic Adidas one was on the left. And then the... Uh, Fanatics replica was on the right, and it was just, it was just completely discolored. It was just like it, 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 the, the coloring was just completely off. Um, I mean, they they screwed up the Jack Hughes jersey that one time, and again, uh, I just I just Fanatics is just terrible. It's poor quality. It's even worse customer service. Um, I'm not surprised that the NHL did this, though. I I, I can't believe that they – I'm guessing they won the bid. Yeah, this was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was a New York Rangers Islanders hoodie. Islanders hoodie. Oh, it yeah. Shirt. It was it was a Rangers hoodie with the Rangers font, the logo on it, and it said New York Islanders instead of New York Rangers. <laughs> I have never seen anything that terrible in my life. I just what I, I don't I, I just don't know that's, how you do that. That's the example of you had one job, one job, one job, and you screwed it up. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I just I, I, I don't. Uh, and this is something that's been brought up. We're not worried about the on ice jerseys. The on ice jerseys are not really 
anything that we're worried about. It's we're worried about the replicas that are going to come out and we're worried about the authentics that are going to be sold to the, to the, uh, the play, uh, to the fans. So, I mean, that much, I, and that's really the, the, the worry point here. Adidas got the jerseys down perfectly. They are the best jerseys that we've had since CCM. And, um, they did a really good job with some of these retro jerseys coming back to like St. Louis went back to the, the two, the, the very late nineties, early two thousands, St. Louis. And that was awesome. Ottawa came back with their original jerseys. Adidas did an awesome job with those. Buffalo just brought back the, 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 the goat head from the, the mid to late nineties and the, and the early two thousands that came out. Awesome. Uh, San Jose had their original jerseys for a little bit. Those came out awesome. I, I just I, – I don't understand why we need to deviate away from anything. I would just take Adidas' formula and their design and then just put the Fanatics logo over everything and just call it a day there. I You know what? And when this was first announced – my first reaction was, isn't Fanatics just really a distribution site? But then, of course, looking into it and finding out all the complaints you got. I mean, there's been mistakes with jerseys before. Wayne Gretzky had his name misspelled on a jersey. But it's just it's more consistent with yeah. Fanatics and it's stuff It's more like consistent that. It's, and it's more egregious with Fanatics. It's more egregious than anything I've ever seen under Fanatics. So. And, and one other thing to go with that, Philk, uh, that I, I can't help but think about. Um, it's sort of like when it comes to the NHL, I applaud them for sometimes thinking outside the box or uh, sometimes giving other companies a shot. Like when Nike first got in or Bauer first got uh, when they Nike bought Bauer and stuff. But it also seems to me sometimes like it's cheap and the NHL just does it because it's cheap. Like they would choose RC Cola as the official uh, soft drink of the NHL sometimes. And I think Gary Bettman is one of the smarter commissioners. And by the way, that says how dumb the other ones are. The it's just. I just, uh, I don't really not. You couldn't get Under Armour, couldn't get, um, uh, couldn't stay with Reebok, uh, uh, Reebok or go to, go to Reebok or go to Adidas. Like, it's just, it's one of those things. It just doesn't Adidas pulled sense. out of the deal. I don't know why they pulled out. I'd have to get more information about that. But, um, the surprise that Nike, um, uh, was not the, the one. I mean, and they have experience with, with hockey jerseys doing the the swift jerseys at the olympics years back um the 2006 olympics was really they were the ones who did the original swift jerseys which kind of led to the design of the reebok edge when everybody when those jerseys came out in torino in 2006 that was the springboard for reebok to go ahead and say hey we want uh we want to make a, a, an edge jersey and the nhl and the players wanted something that was a little more player efficient and that's where yeah. that came from so well uh it also seems sometimes like the nhl if there's a way they could do the right way the wrong way somehow they choose c 
and I don't even know if that's good or bad sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's like, what what is, what is it your what your favorite saying about the NHL, Philk? Best sport, worst league. There you go. There you go on that. Uh, here's and let's get some of your comments right over here, guys. And I'm I'm kind of half out of it because I'm still feeling the effects of not really. <laughs> um. Oh, good. Steven is actually here. He brought all this up for us. Nike doesn't care about because the market isn't big enough for them. They make more money on soccer football jerseys in a year than they do in a 10-year NHL deal. Yeah, but who says no to money? That, that's they, what I think yeah. of that. It, it's Yeah, I, I get it. it it's it, it just you figure you'd want to corner that and you'd want to have the monopoly on it, but guess not. Yeah, <laughs> this is actually. One, go uh, ahead. Yeah. Uh, this one is actually really good. One. What are your thoughts on uh, fighting being banned in the queue? All right, I'm glad Cora, Right, I'm glad you brought that up, Cora, because I said this in our group chat. They're talking about uh, banning cheap shots. I'm uh, sorry, they're banning fighting. The cheap shots are going to go up. High sticking is going to go up. Oh, like all these. All, all the things you want to get out of the game. That's why the game does police itself. Like it, there is some way that they do that. I, I, th I think players are going to be taking a lot of liberties knowing that they don't have to answer the bell ever. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like that. I, I just, I just don't like that. I think you're, you're basically inviting cheap shots into the game and that's just not, not good. It's not good. And, if fighting is allowed at the NHL level, um, and now you're now you're having players less prepared to deal with that. I, to me, I just I think that's stupid. I think that's really stupid. I get why you want to you want to kind of protect kids that are I don't know you know six anywhere from sixteen to twenty years old, but at the same time, fighting in those leagues doesn't happen a ton. It really doesn't. No, but. Cheap shots can happen, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, you, you know, in an indirect way, you're gonna promote them now. Phil, also just to say that there's an entire movie goon that was premised on this. That it's sort of like the the goon goes out, gets a fight. You know, the the star player knows he's being protected. All the messages that it comes out, and I know if some people might want to say, well, it's just the goon fighting another goon. Well, if somebody takes a cheap shot and your goon ends up fighting the other goon and really beating the snot out of them, then all that means is you just got your teammate beaten up. And that happens too. That has a negative effect in the locker room as well. That's why a locker room, you always have to have trust with each other and stuff like that. It's just, no, it's no, no. You get, you got to make sure you, you, you fight. Fighting has its place in hockey. It's not football. Football, there's no place to fight in football. There's no fighting in basketball. There's no need for that. It's sort of like taking bean balls out of baseball. I hate to say it, but you can't take it out of that sport either. Just no headshots. That's the only thing you ever say. Why are you beating a guy? Well, actually, same thing for hockey. Uh, no headshots. Yeah, I, I, I just, I see this being a slippery slope. 
And I just, and yeah, and this is actually a, a good point. The number that the number of injuries that come from cheap shots is astronomically higher than the number of injuries from fights. It's absolutely the truth. Yeah. Anybody who played this game long enough knows that you 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 don't you you don't get injured from fighting nearly as much as you do from players that you know throw cheap shots at one another. And when you don't have fighting in sports, and I know this is an extreme, but then you have incidents like Malice at the Palace with the Pacers and the and the Pistons. Yep. And and, and that type of stuff just you, you can't have that at all. So I mean I, I get why it's not in basketball and football and, and baseball, but at the same time, when you have that ability in hockey, let let them police themselves and, and let them get that steam out. And I get it. The the, the Derek Bugard and Rick Rippin deaths and Wade Belak too did, yeah. did nothing, nothing to help fighting in the NHL. But again, that's also because the NHL had a terrible history of not addressing cheap shots mm-hmm. and and checks to the head. You know, back, back then, Scott Stevens ran around running his elbows into everybody's heads. Paul Correa. I mean, he, he, does, he doesn't even remember half of that sequence because of Stevens and the elbow. And then you have Shane Willis who was a young and upcoming scorer for Carolina, Scott Stevens ended his career. Ron Francis, Eric Lindros has a whole bunch of CTE because of, you know, Scott Stevens. And there are several other guys that Stevens targeted in, you know, the head. And you know what? Now it's just, I, I, I don't, I, I really don't like the fact that, you know, anybody would try to ban fighting. It's not, Banning fighting is not going to do anything to help this league out. It's going to make things worse. And as Steven's saying right here, then again, and, and it's the NHL addressing is, issues the wrong way. George Peros, <clears throat> George Peros, who Phil and I have good information, is one of the nicer guys you could possibly uh, run into in the NHL or involved with the NHL. But also, this is a guy that should be taking it much more seriously. Because... Like, and again, it's, you got to get things out of the NHL. Like we were joking around about it last week, Phil, like head uh, spitting at a guy. Look, I think spitting is disgusting. Uh, that a yeah. Miller deserved it, whether or not it was accidental or not. But you got guys getting uh, slashing guys in the head, like of, of getting who's nets off and yeah. getting, a game or two? Yeah, the game or two for that. And then you have Tony D'Angelo spearing somebody in the groin and getting two games for that. Like, are you kidding me? In a scrum. In, in a, a scrum. It, it was he and goes it, out of the scrum, comes back in. He had time to think about it. Yeah. Like that that's premeditated. You know, he had enough time to do it. It wasn't just like uh, you know, he lost his cool in the middle of a scrum. And even if he just lost his cool in the middle of a scrum, you still did it. So um it, it, this it, banning fighting in the NHL would be one of the worst things you could do because you would the cheap shots would increase tenfold. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cora was saying how we haven't mentioned that fighting separates hockey from the other major sports. Yeah, but I mean the other thing that comes close is beanballs. 
but that's just again it's you need to have the sport to, to get the people to go nah you don't do that and it's bad enough you got guys that are taking liberties right now because they know the cba i'm assuming it's a cba and steven actually while i got you in the chat is is paros and nhl player discipline limited by the cba because there are incidents i see i'm like throw the book at this guy but oh, there you go. And yeah. as he's saying right here, four, in the or, SHL, the Swedish League, yeah, it's a four-week uh, suspension for a hit to that. Well, the, the problem is, the biggest problem is with all of this that hasn't been mentioned yet is that the NHL does nothing to actually crack down on cheap shots. And it's CBA limited. And part of that is due to the Players Association. So the Players Association is not going to let someone be suspended for 10 games for a first time defend to somebody that goes straight across with an elbow WWE style to somebody and takes them out for you know six months. Like that, that's and, and to me, that's just completely ridiculous. Like I get it. You're supposed to protect the players, but you're not protecting the player that's getting hit. Yeah. You're protecting a piece of shit. Who's going out and trying to hurt somebody like Rocky and- Torres went around and, and, and made it a, a, almost a career of himself taking headshots at people and, and took out, he took out what Marion Hosa with a hit. That was like one of his big ones. Or yeah. Was, there's there's a lot of guys he took out. Yeah. But I mean, Matt cook took out how many players and then he stepped on Eric Carlson's Achilles tore his Achilles, which is just, just disgusting. One of the, one of the most vile acts I've ever seen in. Yeah. And, and yeah, and this too, they protect fourth line garbage players who have a, a a rap sheet of doing these types of things over their top players and superstars. And that's the big, and those are two of the biggest problems with the NHL is that they just refuse to discipline the players that continue to do these types of things and actually give them stern discipline for them the first time. So that this way they don't do it again. Yep. And Phil, I think part of the problem with that is they want to protect the fourth liners because they make a lot less money than the superstars, and that's not the right way to do it. Okay, so then be smart and don't be a scumbag. That's all it's you have to simple. do. That's all you have to do. You represent, and 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 you talk out of both sides of your mouth. You talk about player safety, just from the NHLPA. You talk about player safety, and then you don't want, and then you, oh, you also represent the player that did the act and you don't want to ever like get them to clean Connor up their McDavid. Connor McDavid got that what one game for elbowing last year? Should have gotten yeah, that was five bad. games for that. Should have gotten five games for that. There's no reason why he should have gotten one game for a blatant elbow to the head. Like there's no reason. Right, but and and this is where Joe's right about this. The Flyers of the 70s, just look at the nickname, Broad Street Bullies, led by Bobby Clark. Trust me, if, if it hasn't been as bad as the NHL in the 70s, yeah, absolutely, that's true. But we've evolved the game since then. That's the thing. Yeah, the, the and game now, is now players faster. have to wear helmets. They have yeah, to wear visors. And, and I'll tell you what, if players didn't wear helmets, you might see some differences. I think more in football than anything else, where guys don't lead with their helmets anymore. And, like, just... This is stuff they need to get out of the game, but you need to do it by addressing the other issues. Fighting is not the answer. Fighting no, has been no. naturally going out of the game. It, it, and you know what? And the thing is, it naturally went out of the game 
after the 0506 or the 0405 lockout. That the game came back, they got rid of the two line pass, and that that took a lot of that took a lot of the gusto out of the big guys on defense at forward that got away with interfering with players. Like your guys like Bobby Holink, uh, Darian Hatcher, Mike Rathje, Chris Terrian, Marcus Ragnarsson, guys mm-hmm. like that that were that were trap clutch and grab trap era players to a T that really couldn't skate that well. It forced them to skate, and they were out of the game within three years by that point. Three years. Game, game improved then. And then you started to see fighting go down because, you know, you, you got eventually you got rid of guys like Chris Neal, who still weren't great players. They got by for a little bit because they weren't that bad. But guys like Chris Neal and George LaRock, and even though LaRock could actually play a little bit, LaRock still couldn't hang in today's game. He just couldn't. The speed of the game got faster as the years went along, and then it naturally got rid of fighting. You barely see fights these days. Fighting has already been almost naturally eliminated. What difference is that going to make? It's not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. Take a look at how many fights there are per game on a, on a nightly basis across the league, and then eliminate fighting and tell me, how much of a statistical difference it's actually going to make. Because it's going to look something like this, minuscule, minuscule. And then it's, going to, it's not going to solve any problems in the process. So you're going to be playing a game of press your luck, and you're just going to go through every friggin' whammy space in the world and win zero money in cash. That's what the equivalent of this is going to be in a game show. So, I mean... I don't know what they're thinking with getting rid of fighting at that level, especially at junior level. There's not a lot of fighters, especially in the queue of all leagues. The queue is not the league where you're going to see those guys. Maybe the WHL, but the queue? Come on, man. Yeah, that's – and again, it's – and, and trust me, I, I played the grinded out game. I was the guy that had to lay the hits on everybody when I was playing in juniors very briefly in my life, and yet – I still never fought, <laughs> and it's just something. When did Darius Casparitis fight? Yeah. When did I mean, Old Samuelson fight? No, and by the way, sorry Ranger fans, he didn't fight a lot. Sean Avery, Sean Avery ran from a lot of fights. Sean Avery fought middleweights. He didn't fight heavyweights, but I mean, it wasn't a ton of fights. He wasn't like a guy that was getting into a fight every game. Like he just did it when the situation arose. He didn't, I wouldn't say he ran from a ton of fights, but he, he wasn't going out of his way to fight a heavyweight. Yeah. And rightfully so. All right. But, um, but then again, if another thing about fights, you want to look about somebody that has no accountability. How about Jordan Bennington? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Granny just mentioned it. Bennington speared Spurgeon, then hit Hartman and Zuccarello in the head with his blocker and stick in one game. Yeah. And then Flurry was going to fight him. And yeah. And the rest will let up. them do it. Yeah. Oh, we got a New York Apple Corps shout out there. Yeah. Yeah. Apple. Actually, Tommy, my, um, my, my brief junior days was Ramapo Junior Rangers. Uh, I, w- I would have loved to play Apple Corps. Apple Corps had a lot of. Guys, Apple Corps got guys that won the Stanley Cup. Rob Scuderi. Rob Scuderi, yeah. 
mo- probably the most notable one. Matt Gilroy too was Apple Core as well. Yeah, I mean, of course, for me, my most notable Apple Core guy is Marty Hughes and um, Tim Kierkostas, two of my teammates. So, I mean, Timmy, Timmy, I still think is one of the best players I ever saw play. Um, and there were a lot of good players I I, I saw play, but yeah, Apple Core. I hope they're still doing good. I haven't. I haven't even focused on that. Apple Core's not really around anymore. Yeah, it sucks. All right. All right, Phil. Uh, yeah, how are you feeling about cutting it off here? Yeah, I'm fine. I gotta. I gotta eat. Yeah. And uh, oh, wait, hold on. We got a comment from uh, Anthony, who's on the side. I saw Apple uh, Core. I know exactly who he's referencing. So the player that he's referencing is actually a friend of ours named Gregory Holt. And Gregory Holt played prep hockey at a school called the Gunnery in Connecticut. Their school records were set by a future, who ended up being a future NHLer, guy played for St. Louis and the Islanders and the Bruins, I believe, Eric Boganecki. Okay. Greg shattered his records. Greg was scouted by several NHL teams. Um ended up not making it, didn't make the AHL, but he captained Quinnipiac. And I believe the year after he left, I think Quinnipiac went to the Frozen Four. So, Do you think Chris Crowder hits 40 goals? No. I think it's going to – it'll take a little bit of a run, but I don't think he does. But still – No, I, 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 I don't think so. Um, I, I need to see more from him on a nightly basis. It's good to see the you know the recent surge he's had, but um, I, I, I like him with Vinny Trocheck. What's up? I like him with Vinny Trocheck. I do too. I, I I think that type of game rubs off on Kreider, and I think Kreider understands that he needs to play more like Trocheck on a nightly basis to get the best out of himself. So yeah, I, I think that the two of them with Kane can work. And also. Again, the uh, the fourth line starting to gel too. Fourth so, line playing very well. Yeah, that looks pretty well. Obviously, New York Islander fans start getting getting excited. Uh, everybody, if you're still right here, we have twenty of you still watching. First off, thank you, and everybody, make sure you are clicking that like button for us to help us with the algorithm. We're getting more people watching. Help people walk up to me at the fantastic. Uh, Workers, they were in there. A couple guys went, You're Mark Williams for Big Apple Hockey, right? I'm like, Yeah, I don't have time to talk, but I'm going. Oh, there was, they said there was 90,000 people in Wontaw that day. Oof. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. All right. Everybody, again, thanks for watching. Blackhawks. Oh, Jesus. I think the biggest need to move on from the jerseys. Like, sign them. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Continue the nights, sign the jerseys, and then just auction them off for charity and sell jerseys to the fans that want Continue the nights. There's no need to stop the nights, but there's also no need to, to force players to wear the jerseys because this is more of a distraction than anything at this point. They cited security concerns for three of their Russian players. Okay, that changed things around a little bit, Filk. 
Yeah, that's a new wrinkle. Um, because if that's the case, now it's... Now, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. Because if I get into it, it's it's just going to make my head spin. Um, because now if it's... Anthony, you're going to have to elaborate on that. Well, I just saw the uh, the article on The Athletic from Twitter about it. Um, I mean, basically, it, right right there, I mean, I think they're being a little more transparent. I think it, I think it confirms... What some why some of the other teams that didn't wear it didn't wear it for uh, because they're contingent of Russian players. That's just that's just my guess. I mean, there's there's a pretty consistent consistency in the teams that didn't wear it, and a lot of those teams have Russian players on it. So, um, I I gotta I gotta believe that you know the reason why the the Rangers didn't wear it and. Um, the Islanders didn't either. I think they have they have Russian players on the on the roster, and they just don't feel safe or comfortable doing it. That's my guess. San Jose had, had Russian players, and it was James Reimer that came out. Well, that is true. Yes, the Sharks have Bar- Barabanov. So yeah, then that's I don't. I mean, I don't know, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I just think that wearing the jerseys has become more of an issue or, or more of a distraction and an issue then it's become a help at this point. So just have them sign the jerseys, continue the nights. You can still do the nights without them wearing the jerseys. You can still sell the jerseys. You can still sell pride merchandise, t-shirts, other things. You can still have, you know, um, LGBTQ uh, members, uh, you know, community members, um, organization members come up and, and drop ceremonial for pucks. You can have them on the jumbotrons. You can, you know, you can still make awareness. Um, I, I just think at this point, it, it's it's become more of a hindrance than it has a it, more than it is a help by making them wear the jerseys. Just causing controversy at this point. And Phil, I gotta say this though, it, it, it's scapegoating Russians. Players. What's up? It's scapegoating Russians. It's it's so easy to hate on the Russian players right now because of the war in Ukraine. And you you have people blasting Ovechkin because he's a Putin supporter. And you know, I I always go back to the Artemi Panarin situation. You can't tell this guy to just say, Oh, come out and say F Putin. No, then his family ends up dead. It's been enough, he said free Yavaldi. Uh, no, uh, Navalny, and it was Panarin that said free Navalny. Oh, sorry, free Navalny, yeah. Yeah, o- o- Ovechkin is a Putin supporter. That's the problem with it. So it's... So if Ovechkin came out and said that, then yes, exactly that would happen to him. If Ovechkin came out and said free Navalny, I, I guarantee you his family would end up either dead or in a gulag. Yeah. And, like, and that's it, it. Oh, here we go. So Anthony's saying a Russian law was passed in December and it has criminalized LGBTQ propaganda. Okay, that um, that's a that's a big development. I honestly I didn't even know about that. Okay, I, so does that extend to them in America then? 
Well, if they have family in Russia, that could impact their family. Then again, but we're dealing with a dictator here. We're dealing with a dictator that is out of his damn mind that'll do whatever the hell he wants and have whoever the hell he wants dead in a, in a second. I mean, but Phil, but Phil, they they can't stand up to this guy because of the reasons we just outlined. And and that, that's why I, I, I I can't, I, I don't get why people can't put themselves in Alexander Ovechkin's shoes and say, Hey, you know what? If he, if he does, you know, if he, if I, if I, if I even look at Putin the wrong way, I'm surprised Ovechkin even came out and said he didn't want the war. Like yeah. for him to come out and say that, I thought he was going to put his family in danger when he said that. I mean, if he says anything more than that, forget about it. He's going to end up either dead or, or, Maybe not him, but he's going to have family that's going to end up dead or in a prison. It's it's frustrating because, look, this is something I've gone over a million different times, everybody. It's a global sport. There are other opinions out there. It's going to happen. We can't and we can't just. We can't just now I'm not excusing it. I'm not I'm not like condemning the player, though. Like there's going to be differences of opinions. But I don't want it white. Uh, sorry, I don't want it sanitized for me in a way that protects the league. Say, for instance, like the NBA protecting China. You you can't be about human rights and then play games in China. It, it, it you just shouldn't. But it, this is not the same thing. This is not even close to the same thing. And and I'm and I'm I'm. We're not a political show. This is not what we do. So it's. Yeah. I, and I, I get what Steven's saying here. We're glossing over the Reimer situation and it goes beyond the Russian angle and the Russian angles used here. It, 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 there's more to it. I, I get it. But I, I, like I said, I think you can still go ahead and have these nights and not have the jerseys. Like have the players wear the jerseys, let, let the players sign the jerseys and let them auction it off and, and continue to sell the jerseys. You know, it doesn't just have to be a one-night thing. Um, you know, make it, you know, make it something that's, there's, it's more, if you want more inclusivity, do it year-round. Sell the merchandise year-round. There you go. And again, look, do more we can work. have political debates. We're not that channel. But it's also I don't want to gl- I I don't want to I don't want to tell everybody to go against something they've been taught their entire lives. We're not deprogramming people here. That's not not what we're doing. This isn't the same thing as Jackie Robinson integrating into baseball, which was a completely different thing to me. It's it, it's just as 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 this goes. It, right now, it's problematic for the entire league. But again, like I said before. Uh, right now, everybody's just going and blaming Russians the entire time is not the answer either. And they're an easy target. So. Yeah, I mean, they are an easy target. And it's just I, I, I think that there needs to be some sort of regulation on the, the jersey, the wearing the jerseys. Just wearing the jerseys is not. It just doesn't seem to be working. It, it, 
there there's there's uh backfire against it um well I, right, phil, just... phil i'm sorry i gotta also mention this the other way it doesn't work the other way it doesn't work either because then they don't wear the jersey and then i i see people on twitter hunting down which guys which guys didn't want to wear the jersey? Could have been Lindgren. Could have been Fox. Let's see who they follow on Twitter. That's not cool either. You're you're not helping the matter by. All right, I I got to sign off myself, everybody, because I don't want to say anything controversial. But it's I I I I grew up in theater. And I know lots of people, lots of gay and lesbians. I know I'm a bartender. I know lots of them. So, and there's so many great people. I mean, I'm definitely not, I, I, I always want inclusion. This has just become the real life episode of the Seinfeld AIDS ribbon episode. Yeah. What it is, it's, and this is what this has come down to, and it's it's kind of, I I just think that it, it just sell the jerseys if you want to auction the jerseys off, the auction the signed jerseys off to charity, and then just let it, it just have the nights have the nights as they as run as normal. I, it, listen, I I have family that are LGBTQ. Um, I, I fully support, I fully support them and I fully support you know, their rights and their rights to be human beings and live and have the same basic human rights that, you know, everyone else should have. But at, at the same time, I, I think we're, we're getting into a, a point where this is going to cause with wearing these jerseys. And there's a lot of rhetoric that's coming out against it. We're seeing excuses. We're seeing angles. We're seeing everything. And I, 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 like I said, at this point, I, I feel like we should just have them sign the jerseys and just get rid of wearing the jerseys on the other nights too. Yeah, It's got to be all or nothing. And I've said that before and I'll say it again. It's got to be all or nothing. So no hockey fights cancer wearing. No military, no police, nothing. Doesn't matter what it is. You don't wear the jerseys and warm-ups. If you want to sign them and and auction them off for charities, I think that's the best way to do it at this point. And it's got to be all or nothing. So if you're not going to do the pride ones, then you don't do it for the others. And, and that's the only way I could see to solve this. It's, uh, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you're muted, Mark. You're muted. I uh, sorry, I muted the mic because uh, uh, my my friend's three year old wanted to come in, and uh, that's also why I brought her in because I just wanted to bring a little bit of a lighter moment on the show. Hmm. It's just I still think it, it, you can name any any cause, and they're gonna they're gonna be. There's going to be an opposite political cause. I'm starting to come to your side, Phil. Just get it all out. 
I'm, I'm starting. Listen, to. I, I'm going I'm to say this, and I know this might this might annoy some people, but uh, if you got rid of everything across the board politically, and I, I, I'm including the national anthems, if you got rid of everything across the board and just kept sports about sports, I would be more than okay with that. And if that required getting rid of the national anthems, by all means, I, I, I'm cool with that. I, yeah, I can't do that. I'm, I'm cool, I'm cool with do. getting rid of the national anthems too. If, if 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 it eliminates any such sort of potential political discussion or any any political involvement or anything like that, I, I, I'm cool with it because it, it, it's to me. Uh, I I don't. I'm, I'm my sports are my escape from everything else, and that's yeah. what they're meant to be. They're meant to be entertainment. They're not meant to be a political forum. They're not meant to be a. Um, they're not meant to be a forum for any type of activism or anything like that. And I understand that people want to use them to to spread light to these issues, but that's not what they're meant for. It's not what they're meant for. And to me, uh, yeah, I'm with Stephen on this one. If if national anthems are for me, they should be for national team games. Yeah. So. I don't. I don't know. I, I um. I I did the the Chicago game, and that was one of the best national anthem renditions. They always do. Uh, I always think about Vancouver, the way they treated O Canada, the way we treated um, Piano Man, and that I was very moved by that. That I wanted to see more from that. We're we're kind of like I said. Look, everybody, thanks for bearing with us. We're kind of veering into the territory on this. Unfortunately, it's something we ended up having to, to discuss, and we definitely don't. Uh, Ed, Phil, you got AEW on right now, right? Yeah, I want to watch that. Yeah, that's a lot better than than continuing this conversation. Everybody, thank you very much. Uh, it's and again, we all we all understand what you're saying. I think Phil is right. Sell the uh, sell the merch, and so it was core right there. It's just if this is a slippery slope. Because it's you're gonna have somebody that always disagrees with something politically. So everybody, thanks very much. Uh, it's always great, Th- Stephen. Thanks for joining us and always uh, letting us know some of the other information that we need to know. And um, uh, Phil Sting still wrestling? Yes, he just. I was just about to type back to David. He there was just a. Uh, uh, six man tag and Sting actually just hit someone with a scorpion death drop to uh, win the match. So, yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thanks very much. Uh, hope hope you guys enjoyed the show. Look for the clips later. And also, my visit to the New Jersey Devils uh, Prudential Center is going to be on there. So, uh, I, I I I have a very good intro for the Devils fans. You guys will be very happy with that. Thank you very much, and take care. Good night, everybody. Let's go, Rangers.